This is Patriots Playbook. The legend trendsetters. Okay, well, I, you know, I, I kind of like that. And then I forgot to downshift again. Of course, then I would, the, the engine would just like that, and I wouldn't go anywhere. And I feel like that's where we are right now. Thank you. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good analogy, too. I just came up with that, too, by the way. But that's really kind of where we are. If this doesn't happen in the first 24 to 48 hours, it ain't going to happen. Rip me a new one next week. If, if You know, on the show, it's perfect long. You rip me one now if you're, like, disgusted by that thought. I love a good conspiracy. This is good stuff for me. I like this. This is neat. Okay? Neato. Now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. <laughs> well, I guess then what that means is we are more than 48 hours past the end of the regular season, which means if I hold to that particular prediction, um, Bill Belichick is still going to be coach of the Patriots. I, I don't know how you freak, you know feel about that in particular because I, that seems like all I've heard you know, in social media, through friends, what I've read, that the Patriots simply have to rip off the Band-Aid and start over, and, and that includes cleaning house and starting with the head coach. I'm not sure how you feel about that, but that's certainly going to be a part of the, the topic of discussion today here in the playbook. Welcome, everybody. It is our final regular season edition of Patriots Playbook here on Patriots.com radio. Uh, assuming the uh, the time slot the Patriots Unfiltered normally has here, largely because they're moving into off-season mode, vacating Wednesdays, and I'm kind of moving into off-season mode as well because I usually go on Wednesdays to fill that off-season. That way we have more live programming during the course of the week. Um, and so glad to be here with you, especially if you're just tuning in for the first time. Uh, I am somewhat remote because I've got a college basketball. Well, I guess I am remote. I've got a college basketball broadcast tonight in uh, Manhattan at, at Madison Square Garden, but still have very much football on the mind of things. Uh, Evan Lazar is here. He's going to join us. Uh, we have uh, Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston who's going to join us. Uh, Dakota Randall, who covers the Patriots for uh, Nesson, the New England Sports Network, he's going to join us. And, of course, Russell Baxter, who has been with us for a number of years uh, covering uh, the National Football League. And we'll run through the, uh, the opening round of the playoffs uh, in hour number two of the program today. So there's a lot on the agenda. And, and, and in all honesty, i, I got to start – with you first and foremost um do you rip off the band-aid or do you let the scab heal that's kind of a gross way to put it but <laughs> but but i'm i'm just really i i think that's what we need to kind of figure out here ev what do you what do you what, what is what's your opinion on that i know that we've talked about this many times before we've kind of danced around it because clearly you know we're patriots employees so we don't advocate one way or the other we're just kind of talking about what people yeah what fans what followers are talking about and in all honesty um as i said in the open and as i said to you on the show last week I, if something doesn't happen in the first 48 hours after the season is over, I'm of the opinion it's going to stay the way it is. Now, there may be changes, and I think we all expect changes to come. But as far as the head coach is concerned, I, I, I think it's status quo. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think that at, at this point what we're we're seeing is that the the crafts are doing a, an autopsy of, of football operations, right? Yeah. They're, they're doing a fact-finding mission, an audit, of what exactly went wrong, because I don't think you can answer the question of how to fix it without knowing first what were the core reasons that this uh, went so badly this past right. season. Right. Was it coaching? Was it 
personnel? Was it a combination of the two? You know, where does that all fall into the blame pie? And without those answers, it's it's difficult to do. And I think the the second thing is, is ideally, I think that there's a world Dude, where the, the second thing is Bill Belichick is, stays on as the head coach, but somebody else is running personnel. Yeah. And is that something that Bill is willing to do? Is he truly going to be collaborative and truly hand over the keys to the roster to somebody else? Is he yeah. going to be collaborative in how he plays the players that that person picks? And is that something Bill can do? And is that what the best course of action is for the franchise moving forward? Are two things that I think needed to be answered after the season. I think it's difficult to have these conversations while the the team is playing and they're game planning and they're practicing and they're doing all these other things. So these last couple of days, I think that that's really been the main conversation in the building. And I'm, you know, I don't know that I'm just uh, surmising uh, the main conversation in the building has been, how do we move forward with bill and is that a realistic scenario and then if not then i I think we'll hear in the next couple of days here that they've moved on from bill belichick so if if that is going to be the case are there still you know people on the staff in the building so to speak that should be worried do you think about you know the the status of their their jobs going forward Uh, or do you get the sense that um uh you know as again as i suggest off the top of the show that if this doesn't happen quickly it probably won't happen at all yeah no i i definitely still think the jury's out on on who's going to be here next year uh, from this staff and i i I would look uh, mainly at at the personnel side of things and then of course at the at the head coach himself but i I look at the personnel department macro uh elliot wolf uh, cameron williams who i think they really like as the college scouting director Uh, those guys i think do a a really good job at thing at their individual jobs you know like i think matt grow is a really a good college scout the issue i think that they might have right now is is macro really good in the veteran market right in terms of free agent signings trades things like that and do they need to bring in somebody that has a little bit more experience a little bit more uh, metal uh, around the league in terms of negotiations and that sort of thing and, you know if you heard some names kicked around like a bringing back like a scott pioli or a thomas dimitroff or john robinson or dave ziegler uh, i i don't I wish that we could go a little bit out further outside the tree, right? Like I wish it didn't have to be a familiar face to that point. Uh, but in general, I, I wouldn't, if it's possible for Bill to do that and to put his ego to the side and for, to put his, uh, you know, kind of just cooperative brain on for a second, uh, if it's possible, I, I would entertain the idea of bringing in a true general manager to run the personnel side of things and just have Bill coach. I'm just, I have my doubts of whether or not that would actually work in the long run. I honestly though think Evan that that's what most people uh, would accept. I mean, uh, if, if Mr. Kraft, as we know, who's, you know, very conscious about, you know, what his season tickle holders, what his sponsors, you know, what, you know, his, his, his business partners think of the way things are going. Uh, if he really wants to appease, I believe, the mass majority here, which is clearly, I think, good business, and we know that he knows how to run a good business, uh, that that would be an acceptable route to go. That if Bill, as long as Bill is accepting of 
duty changes. And he did allude to that in his Monday news conference here this week, the annual you know year-end wrap-up, where he said, look, I'm for, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I, I'm for whatever the, you know, the organization decides, which obviously includes him. But I think it tells me, A, that if he was really stuck to his guns, I mean, really sticking to his guns, you know, I got a contract. And he did, by the way, let on that he has another year on his contract. But, you know, if you wanted to go by his contract, which means he has final say uh, and has meant that he has final say over uh, personnel issues that, you know, he could play hardball. And I know a lot of people in the media, at least in the uh, greater Boston area, uh, believe that that's what's happening. I I'm not so sure that's the case. I think Bill likes his job. I think he likes being head coach of the Patriots. And I think he realizes that, look, well, for whatever reason, I'm not going to assign blame here. It hasn't gone the way that we want it to. Nobody goes into this thing thinking, wow, you know, um, I don't know. You know, can we get to seven wins? Can we get to eight wins? No, nobody goes into the season thing like that. They think that they're going to be competitive. Now, clearly, there have been some missteps taken. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a position where, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, do a better job on your job, and we all do that, I think, from time to time, no matter what profession you're in, when you know that there are issues at hand, you're going to talk it over with your bosses, and you're going to say, all right, how do we improve this? And then they're probably going to ask you, well, Evan, <clears throat> how do you think we need to improve this? And you're going to give them your thoughts. And this is, I think, where we are right now between Coach Belichick and, and Mr. Kraft, and I think Bill wants to still be here. Now, if he's willing to accept help, and I don't know if that means somebody that reports to him or if he reports to them, but if there's organizational help, and I'm putting quotation air quotes around the word help, and if he's open to that, I think Bill is still the coach here, and I think he probably deserves to still be coach here. And I've maintained that from day one since this, you know, horrible 2023 season really got uh, started, you know, and, and unfolded. And, and again, um, uh, that seems to be because of his – non-disclosure attitude that seems to be uh what many in the media believe won't happen because they don't think bill will accept that and i'm just kind of curious as to your thoughts on the dichotomy of the of the two uh stances here i personally believe bill is more open and receptive than i think a lot of people in the media tend to believe he is what do you think yeah, I, I think in some ways. I, the biggest thing, though, is that it's one thing to agree to it in practice. It's another thing to actually w walk the walk, right? And I, yeah. I feel like yeah. that's my biggest concern is that he can go in there and he can say, yeah, we're going to be more collaborative. We're going to hire a, an experienced general manager to come run personnel, and that person is going to pick the 90-man roster, and he's going to run free agency and run the draft and do all those types of things. But when push comes to shove, when there's disagreements at the table and they get out there to training camp, you know, in August, late July, and they have you – know, the, Bill's not going to go in there and say, like, the, the GM drafted Jaden Daniels and now I'm not going to play him. I, I'm not going that far. But, like, you know, these other players around the periphery, what what's to stop Bill from saying, I just don't like this guy? You know, he doesn't fit what I want to do. He doesn't uh, play ball. And, and then true. all of a sudden the general manager is is picking these players that Bill's not playing or is playing out of – out of position or in, in different roles or uh, whatever. And they're just not aligned in how they view skill sets and how they view schematic fits and things like yeah. that. Uh, that's my, my question because if Bill still has 
control of the 53 man roster control of the game day roster control of the game plan you know he's going to go in there and he's going to say marty mapu is a safety Right, like I know yeah, you yeah. drafted him, thinking that we had this like new age Matt Milano hybrid linebacker type of player, uh, but we view him as a as a box safety, as a Kyle yeah. Duggar type of yeah. player, yeah. and that's how we're gonna play him. That that is gonna cause issues. That's gonna cause friction, and and it's not the product is not gonna be what the GM envisioned, what Bill envisioned. So I think that that's the the biggest problem is that. It's a great idea. Like, I just mapped it out. You just mapped it out. Like, that's the best idea of how to move forward in a lot of ways. But is it actually uh, – can they actually execute that plan yeah. and have it go well? I think there's also a side of me uh, that says not, not necessarily because I don't think Bill's the best head coach for the job, but going into being 72 years old next season – there is a part of me that says now is the time to go in a, into a different era. Like not not just because of his age or his uh, you know failure failures this past season, but because of both things. Like it's just a good time to look at it and say Bill 71 years old, realistically we're going to draft a quarterback again at the top of the draft. How many years is Bill going to coach Drake May for realistically? And Now's the time coming off a four-win season. We have the reason to do it. Let's usher in a new era. You know, Mike Vrabel's 48 years old. Gerard Mayo's in his late 30s, right, or early 40s, late 30s. Uh, maybe it's a it's an outside hire. It's a Ben Johnson. It's, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh, whoever. Just somebody that is younger and, and can be a part of a rebuild uh, that's a long-term Fix. I think what we look at 2021, the one thing that we can really learn uh, from why it didn't, it wasn't sustainable. They had a 10 win season, made the playoffs, and they couldn't sustain it. I, there's a lot of coaching issues that are thrown in there as well. But I think one of the re- main reasons why it wasn't sustainable is because they went for the quick fix. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna spend all this money in free agency. We're gonna draft the quarterback in the first round, and boom, we're right back in it. But I don't necessarily think that that is a sustainable model. And with a 71-year-old head coach, it might be difficult to go the sustained route of you might need to make a, a tough decision at the top of the draft and take a tackle instead of a quarterback. You might need to be a little bit more methodical in how you spend your money in free agency. It might not be this instant fix that everybody wants if Bill is still here. And maybe it is going to be a two or three year rebuild. And at that point, we're talking about a 74, 75 year old Bill Belichick coaching the team. Right. And I I think we all kind of realize that, you know, look, Bill is only going to be here for another year, two, maybe. And you have to bring in somebody that has a longer term uh, view uh, for the future of this franchise. And I think even Bill probably understands that and realizes that. What I'm guessing that's probably being talked about literally as we speak, um, uh, and certainly among the discussions as we speak, would be the fact that, look, we need somebody to come in and help you or assist here in the overall process of bringing talent into the program. Because we can all agree here, the talent has not been there the last two or three years like had been here previously, uh, you know, especially while Tom Brady was playing quarterback. And it has taken a hit over the last few years. Now, for whatever reason, whether it's just misevaluation or what have you, or, you know, uh, the, you know, we also know that there has been a, uh, a run on, you know, um, 
coaches and scouts uh, and evaluators moving on as well because of all the coaching changes that yeah. we've had. And it may very well be that there are just people who are, you know, certainly talented, but just not quite savvy enough to be able to to handle the modern-day NFL game. It doesn't mean that they won't be, but we know the Patriots have always been a sort of a breeding ground for these types of people, and they go on and they move on. And that's one of the things that has made the Patriots so successful is they've got this young energy behind them, and they've hit on a lot of them. And over the last two or three years, they have not hit on a lot of them. So if they find someone who comes in from a personal standpoint, Ev, and let's say, all right, I'm going to help you build the 53, but on game day, it's up to you, you know, to decide who to plug in where. I mean, is that something that's feasible? Is that something that's doable? Um, and, and clearly, Bill's going to have input. Uh, and I think Bill realizes, you know, he needs to have input. But whoever that person is, you know, whether Scott Pioli comes back, whether, you know, there's so many other rumors out there right now, uh, you, you can't shake the tree. They're all going to hit you in the head. Uh, then as long as they realize that this is sort of a two-way street, for however long Bill's going to coach. And it's only going to be a year, maybe two tops. And then once he's gone, they bring in the coach that they want or whoever's available at the time. And then the pecking order, then the, 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 um, I, yeah, then the pecking order sort of takes over here. Is that, I mean, it, it's, it's out of the ordinary. It's not the usual way that I think that most teams conduct business, but why can't the Patriots conduct business like this? Yeah, it, that, that's a good question. I, I think the biggest thing is that my, my expectation of like what Bill Belichick's – if Bill Belichick wants to stay with the Patriots and be the head coach of the Patriots, which I think he does, based off of uh, what he said on Monday. And I agree. I, I think he does. So if that – my guess is, is that his pitch to Robert Kraft – was we are just we're gonna keep everybody that we currently have, uh, but we're just gonna beef this thing up, right? Like we're gonna bring in a real personnel guy with with experience, you know, like like you mentioned Pioli, right? Like let's just use him as an example. We're gonna bring back Scott Pioli. We're gonna bring back John Robinson, Dave Ziegler. We're gonna bring back Josh McDaniels, and we're gonna pair him with Bill O'Brien. There's been a a brain drain. Uh, uh, in this organization yeah the last couple of years that go beyond just the players that have left you know Tom Brady leaving obviously is the biggest thing but Dante Scarnecchia retiring Ivan Fears retiring Ernie Adams retiring uh you know guys that have been poached Nick Casario types uh Dave Ziegler's you know that have been poached by other organizations uh, to run their personnel departments that has been a big problem and I I think that there's a world where Bill probably pitches that we're going to we're going to beef it up. We're going to bring back a bunch of guys. We're going to bring in more coaches. We're going to bring in experienced coaches and general manager types and we're going to go that direction and, and we're going to get this thing back in order. I I just think that there's also a really uh that's the pitch. And I think that the Crafts have in season uh been leaning towards moving on from Bill Belichick. But I think right now what these this lull that we're getting of information these last couple of days is because Belichick sat down with, with Mr. Kraft and made a, a pitch just like that, right? Like, yeah. this is what we're going to do. This is yeah. what I would do. Almost like how if they interviewed Mike Vrabel tomorrow to be the next head coach of the Patriots, Vrabel would do the same thing. He would say, this is my pitch. This is my plan of how we're going to map this out. And I think the Patriots are giving Bill 
uh, the respect and the benefit of the doubt right now to make his pitch. And maybe some of this delay in this process is having conversations with people that aren't currently employed by the organization about their interest in coming back to the organization. You know, maybe Josh McDaniels was at the game on Sunday. I know it was reported that he was here as a fan, but maybe there are conversations going on behind the scenes with Josh McDaniels about a return. Maybe there's conversations about those uh, GMs that I mentioned uh, in about a possible return. So I think that that's what's all kind of contributing to the delay in information and why we don't have a definitive answer yet because – they're trying to get their ducks in a row and see what is the best possible uh, pitch that Bill can put forward. And then uh, once that settles, they'll kind of sit there and say, is this the best course of action or is it not? And that makes perfect sense. You don't want, Mr. Kraft, you don't want the Patriots organization to make any hasty decisions. I've heard so many people, Evan, stop me if, if, if you haven't as well, I've heard so many people say they need to rip off the Band-Aid and just start over. And, and I don't think you can do that when you realize what you've built up over the course of the last 20 years has been historical. And so, you know, and I, I think we can all agree here that Bill Belichick can still coach. Uh, you don't just become ignorant overnight you know, or even over a two- or three-year period. There's still uh, a ton there, I think, for him to offer, and I think he clearly still wants to do that. How do we go about doing that? And is there a viable way to conduct business in that realm is what is being determined. And look, I, I'd be all for it. Let me go back to Mike Vrabel, who you know was fired yesterday, yeah. uh, on Tuesday, uh, by the Tennessee Titans. I said, and I think I said right here on this program, I said when he came in for his Hall of Fame induction uh, this fall, that um, I could definitely see Mike Vrabel as uh, a, a coach of the New England Patriots in his future. And I realized he had a job at the time, but it was just his mannerisms. It was just the way he phrased things. I mean, when he was at halftime uh, of the game uh, and he wrapped up his speech by saying, all right, we have to play a game here. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, who is this we that we're talking about here, Mike? Because yeah. I know you played here once, but you certainly don't coach here. And I just, I that struck me as odd. And I brought it up at the time. And so I could see this scenario unfolding. And if you tell me that tomorrow the Patriots decide we're pulling the plug and Vrabel's our guy, it won't shock me. No, it me neither. Shock me. And, and and I think that might be the next that might be the next step to take if we determine that Bill going forward with help is not the viable alternative. So I could see that, and then I could see you know Mike bringing in his own guys working with his own GMs, working with his own offensive coordinators, remaking everything. And, okay, then you probably get a little bit closer to that Band-Aid ripping off that so many fans seem to want. Uh, you can still get that. You can still accomplish it. I guess my original point here is, however, that I think you can get what you really want even if Bill is still the coach because, let's face it, of all the coaches that are out there and available to become the next head coach of the New England Patriots, who – is the most qualified it's bill yeah yeah it, it that's kind of the easiest way to sum it up right is like who has the who the best resume at the table yeah. and i i'm sure that if bill uh, were to be let go by the patriots that he would have suitors in the open market you know there's obviously no uh there, there's rumors already about you know atlanta you know being one, a team that would make an aggressive uh, move for him. Yeah. Move for him if Bill yeah. were to become available. With that said, with the, with Rabel, 
I, I've been lukewarm on Vrabel because I really have a, I'm of the mind that they should be thinking offense with all of their moves, right? Yeah, the the 31st ranked scoring offense in the NFL this year. Your offense wasn't good last year either. And the idea of pairing an offensive mind, and eight, I think one thing that people misconstrue is nothing to do with age, right? Like I don't, it doesn't have to be 30, a 35 year old Sean McVay type, right? Like I, I don't necessarily care about that. It's just somebody that is forward thinking on the offensive side of the ball. And I think the Patriots have gotten into this, this rut these last couple of years from a big picture sense, because they're trying to win games 17 to 14, right? Yeah. Like they want to play, they want to be a tough football team that runs the ball, that plays good defense, that plays well in the kicking game. And they want to win games, low scoring type of games and just have a quarterback and an offense in, in a, especially a passing offense that does just enough to put them over the top. But they don't want that to they don't want the offense and the passing offense to be the driving force of why they win. And I don't know if you can win in the modern age built that way anymore. That's not to say that defense is in isn't important. It's just to say that the teams that get to the dance and get to the, the finale, get to the Super Bowl, are usually the teams that have the best passing offenses and the best quarterbacks. Today, yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely, today. But let me ask you something just quickly. I'll I'll interject here. Wouldn't the Patriots under Mike Vrabel still accomplish that, especially if he hires some of the people that are rumored to be open and and have worked with them in the past? I mean, the Titans had, what, the number two, number three offense in the NFL just two or three years ago. Absolutely, but they were built by running the ball with Derrick Henry, and a lot of play action off of the run game. And is I Henry a free agent. Uh, he is a free agent, but he's not the player. He, he wasn't not the player. He was the back then, you know, and no, and, that's true. That's uh, true. I, but I, I think in just watching Vrabel from the outside, looking in, I, I think that he, he thinks a lot of the same things that bill does in terms of how he wants his team to play. And, mm-hmm. and, and it, and it emulates how he played, right? Like it, it's, that's how he was. He was a, a lunch pail kind of guy. And yeah. I think that that's the type of team that Tennessee has been in his tenure there to some success. No doubt about that. Now, the thing that intrigues me about Vrabel, uh, because I, I, again, I, I would go the Ben Johnson route, right? Like I would hire the best offensive mind that I can possibly find. I draft Drake may in the first round of the draft and I'd pair them together and hope it works for the next 10 years. Like that's, that's what I would personally do, but I have to look at it from all angles. And the intriguing part of, of Mike Vrabel, I think at this point is actually who is rumored to be connected to him for general manager. And that's Adam Peters out in San Francisco, who's the assistant general manager of the 49ers. Adam Peters and Mike Vrabel overlapped here in New England when Vrabel was a player and Adam Peters was in the scouting department here in New England. So they have a relationship that goes back a ways. And apparently they're they're not. I don't know if they're the best of friends or anything like that, but they have they've stayed connected in the NFL world uh, since then. So if you're telling me that the Patriots ticket right for these next couple years in this rebuild is Mike Vrabel and Adam Peters. I think you can do a whole lot worse, a whole lot worse. And that is a really intriguing pitch uh, to have those two guys together, because I do respect Vrabel's ability to 
you know, lead men and coach a football team and control a room and, uh, you know, get the most out of players and things like that. And I think Adam Peters is probably the hottest general manager candidate on the market. So you're getting the number one guy in my mind on that side of things. And then you're probably getting like the second or third hottest guy on the coaching side of things. So you can't go wrong with that. And I wouldn't be disappointed by it by any means, but I, w- I would still be skeptical and have to wait and see how they plan on building the offense and then how they develop the quarterback and how they, they put up pieces around him uh, to succeed. Because if it Tennessee the last couple of years, uh, John, the, the last time Tennessee scored 30 points in a game was like two and a half years ago. Yeah, right. Right? Like they haven't I, mean, I think we yeah, we saw that. We were really, we're used to that this year, right? Yeah, they haven't been good on offense for a couple of years now either. Now, they had injuries at quarterback, right? Ryan Tannehill hasn't been healthy. Uh but they haven't really solved their quarterback problems whether it was Malik Willis, Will Levis, whoever uh, either. So, I'm still a little bit skeptical that that Tennessee is this great, you know, model of of offensive innovation and success so i would would tend to agree with that let me ask you this then yep who out there potentially available to come in and assist in personnel take over gm whatever we're going to call it here could work with bill the same way that peters would work potentially with a guy like mike Vrabel. it's a good question uh i I would say that guys that Unfortunately, for better or worse, I shouldn't say unfortunately, for better or worse, Bill is not going to hire outside his circle of trust, right? Like you're just not going to see him hire uh, some, you know, guy from Philadelphia or Kansas City or something like that that he's never worked with that he does. You know, it's just not happening. So to limit that talent pool, I think you're looking at, uh, you know, guys that have been here before. Uh, I would say that John Robinson's probably the best candidate. Uh, Thomas Dimitrov has been out of it for a couple of years, but maybe he's someone that wants to get back into it. I think Scott Pioli, you know, he was the assistant GM in uh, in Atlanta to Thomas Dimitrov. He hasn't been uh, in the personnel since 2020. You know, he's been in TV and things like that. Uh, so it's been a, a bit. But John Robinson is somebody that I would consider a pretty strong candidate. I, I think Dave Ziegler uh, could be a candidate, but uh, from what I've heard, I, I don't think that Bill – uh, particularly loved how you know Ziegler uh, left and then kind of took a lot of people with him and you know same yep. with McDaniel's you know which is why I I think that that is water under the bridge for McDaniel's because of their relationship and how far back they go but uh, I would look at guys like that and and say that that's probably where they would head uh, it, maybe a Scott Pioli is more if they want to just call it like you know the Mike Lombardi role like just like an advisor to the head coach and not necessarily a true GM. Maybe that's where he could get involved. But if they really want to hire a GM, you know, that has the title and everything, uh, then I, I think that guys that have done it before recently, uh, like a John Robinson or a Dave Ziegler is probably the the best bet. All right. Yeah, there's so much more that, I, you know, we're going to have a chance to get into. And I know you guys will do it on Unfiltered. Uh, what, when's your uh, when's your Catch-22 going to run during the offseason? So Catch-22 right now is staying uh, at 10 a.m. on Thursdays. Um, okay. And uh, we'll see it as long as there's uh, no breaking news in the next uh, 12 right. hours, 24 hours or so, then uh, then that's when it will be tomorrow. Yeah, because I think we need to – we also at the same time concurrently work on 
what kind of direction that you know the, the the team, especially the offense, may try to have to head here in the offseason in order to become competitive, which is what everybody wants here. That's why you that's why you compete. That's why you go out and you play. You want to be competitive. You want to try to win. And how the Patriots get back there. So we'll we'll save that conversation for another time. And and uh, I hope that you and I will get a chance to visit around our offseason edition of the uh, the playbook as well, because we move to a monthly program uh, beginning in February, at least until we get to a training camp next year. So. Thank you so much for you know spending your time on the show here, at least during the course of the regular season. And I think one final word about the game this past Sunday, which is what we usually try to uh, summarize when we meet on Wednesdays here. But it stunk, and I'm glad it's over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the uh, that game was uh, was tough to to really evaluate watching it back, John, because the the snow conditions were just like how much are you really going to glean from that game, right? None. It's a meaningless None. week 18 game. Uh, where the the snow just really I think limited it, what what both teams were capable of doing offensively Agreed. and uh, I I do have questions about what they did defensively you know they I thought that they kind of let Brees Hall run the ball on them a little bit and uh, I, I was surprised that uh, that they didn't really adjust and didn't really stack the box like you were worried that Trevor Simeon was going to throw the ball down the field on you or something like that so that was surprising that they didn't. Uh, commit more resources and adapt a little bit to what the Jets were doing in the run game offensively you know Patriots defense uh but in general I I I kind of chalked that game up to to a throwaway and I'm not really looking too much at that tape yeah I would have to agree with you and I thought that was the first thing I thought of you know when Hall kept getting you know the ball and I kept pulling you know Brees Hall the ball carrier and I'm just like wow are they going to let anybody else touch it and then we discovered obviously when we broke off the 50 yarder nobody else needed to touch it yeah they got done what they needed to get done and and again if there was something to you know like playing next week we'd be discussing that but I think there's a there's a bigger fish to fry as the saying goes yeah, yeah thank absolutely. you I know we'll uh, we'll talk again soon my man anytime anytime you got it. All right. That is, of course, uh, Evan Lazar at EZ Lazar on X is where you'll find uh, a lot of his stuff. And certainly you'll find it. Actually, he's got uh, uh, right up now on the website here on Patriots.com. He's got the uh, season in review. And he's got some thoughts on uh, players that he feels, you know, could potentially be back on the roster. And again, a lot of it depends on who's the GM, Kurt, uh, certainly, and uh, who also is the um, uh, the head coach next year all right let's let's get some uh, some other views on this because obviously there are varying viewpoints that we wanted to try to touch on a little bit in in all directions here as to which step the patriots really need to take should take maybe even will take over the course of the next few days and even weeks this may not go as quickly as anybody really wants it to go that was one of the things i wanted to stress off the top and even though I said, look, hey, if it's not decided in the first 48 hours or so, it's likely going to be close to status quo. But it doesn't mean there isn't going to be some change. Phil Perry obviously uh, covers the Patriots and has done so for a long time for NBC Sports Boston. Uh, he's been a program uh, guest here uh, on Patriots Playbook. He's kind enough to join us here on undoubtedly what's a busy time. You know, Phil, you're on the you're you're on the Patriots beat, and generally when the season's over. Uh, you might get a little time off or you get a little downtime or you try to recharge your batteries. And even though this team isn't going into the postseason, clearly this could be a major, major move. And uh, you're kind of uh, front and center right now in terms of trying to figure out which step this team takes next. <laughs> yeah, there's no rest for the weary, John, right? Yeah, but it's, uh, it's a fun time. It's an interesting time. Uh, it's clearly a different – it's been a different year, never mind right now, but it's been a different year covering this team. And uh, they're never not interesting, 
right, John? It's just they yeah. are never not interesting in the next uh, week or so here. Uh, I think it's going to be met with real change, and it'll be interesting to see where the Patriots go next. All right, so uh, I, I know, I'm pretty sure, I, I think I know which way you, you lean on this. You, when you say real change, does that include at head coach? And if it doesn't include head coach, is there a workable scenario, something that Evan Lazar and I just kind of talked about a little bit, is there a workable scenario that includes Bill staying on as coach? I believe the real change includes moving on from Bill Belichick as head coach and general manager. Uh, that's the expectation from a number of different people that I've spoken to in the building. And while everyone is still awaiting official word from the craft, it's it's my understanding that, you know, uh, what's being hammered out right now is, is a way to figure out how to end the relationship, not how to save it. And so uh, I believe they'll be looking for a new head coach uh, sometime soon here, and they'll adhere to the Rooney rule and go through an interview process and all of that. But, uh, you know, basically a generation with one person running the entire football operation. He, Bill Belichick was the football operation in New England for a long, long time. That's a, that's a difficult marriage to dissolve, and it's a complicated relationship to end. Uh, and so that's why I think we're, we're waiting a little while right now. I, I don't have a great sense for what the timeline is, John. Is it the end of this week? Is it next week? Do they wait after uh, the wild card games to finish to see if – you know, Bill Belichick might be able to be traded so that they can get something for this asset, if you want to look at Bill Belichick in those terms, uh, that they still have under contract. Uh, I think all of those things are in play. I don't have a great feel for the timeline right now, but it's my expectation that they move on from Bill Belichick in the near future here. Phil, don't the NFL rules to interview uh, other coaches uh, state that you have to wait at least until the wild card round is completed? Uh, no, there there are ways to uh, virtually interview coaches uh, okay. as soon as right now if you're not in the playoff race. So uh, both both coaching um, and general manager interviews, um, you know, that process has has, has uh, started. And especially if you're talking about internal candidates, which I think is pertinent to the Patriots situation, uh, yeah. those people can be interviewed at any time. So again, this is a process that has started in some other places already. And whenever the Patriots decide to make the move on Bill Belichick official, you know, they'll, they'll be beginning that process soon thereafter, I'm sure as well. Could it also be, uh, again, I'm just throwing out possibilities here. Could it also be that they're, uh, again, trying to do their due diligence on candidates outside of the organization? And if they're involved in the postseason at some point, then potentially I don't think you can be talked to until your season's over. Uh, well, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's different for general managers and head coaches. I know that, you know, for instance, uh, the Niners who are obviously, you know, still in the postseason. Adam Peters is one of the hottest GM candidates yep. out there. He interviewed just yesterday for the commander's job. Um, so obviously the Patriots are going to be looking for both of these things and it would behoove them to start these searches as soon as humanly possible. And um, that said, I would add that if they feel strongly about people internally my guess is they won't be in the same kind of time crunch that other teams will john so yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. if you're looking at this from robert Kraft's perspective this is a transition that you have been anticipating for some time bill belichick's obviously in his 70s you had to have some sort of contingency plan in mind um for whenever you were going to move on from bill belichick and i think the timeline has been expedited based on how bad the team was this year but um 
I think they are comfortable with whatever comes next because they've been thinking about it already. And I don't think we have to do all that much digging to, to try to determine, you know, what they've been thinking about. They made it very clear that they, they felt strongly about Gerard Mayo just last offseason. They hadn't even signed him to an extension yet. They made an announcement. They released a statement saying that they were planning to, that they were working on an extension with Gerard Mayo. You know, these are savvy business people, Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft. They are planning well in advance uh, and probably have been longer than anybody knows. And so I think they have a good idea of where they want to go next. And I don't think, even though they will have to go through an interview process, and I'm sure they'll be open, uh, I think they have an idea already as to where they're going to go next after Bill Belichick. Yeah, and that's one thing I think that we've maintained all along. We can all sort of uh, agree to disagree about you know the particulars and the personnel and and uh, and, and the people that are actually involved. Uh, but the one thing you cannot question is um, I think the crafts and and. In, in craft sports and entertainment, I, I, I don't think you can question that they don't know what they're doing because they wouldn't have turned their original $170 million investment in this organization over 30 years ago into a $7 billion property, according to Forbes, uh, at last valuation, as, you know, without knowing they know what to do. So clearly, I think they're a half a step ahead of it. And and maybe it's actually them who are playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. And we're going to use that analogy here because um, that's just how they get to be successful. And that's how the Patriots have done. And the, the road over the last three or four years has been very, very difficult. And so this process has probably been going on for longer than even maybe we realize. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, John. And I think, you know, when something like what happened yesterday happens, where, where Mike Vrabel, for a lot of people, unexpectedly becomes available, I do think it's totally legitimate for all of us to look at it and say, well, no matter how well laid out your plans were, Robert and Jonathan, yeah. is it not worth considering this new option that has just presented itself to you? Right. And isn't part right. of being a good business person reacting to the situations at hand in real time? and making the best call for your organization. I, I think that's a totally fair thing to say. And I think Mike Vrabel would be a great fit on a lot of different fronts. But I do think that the the planning has been significant enough that it's it would be surprising to me if Mike Vrabel's availability moves the crafts off their spot and if it forces them to uh, take a different path than the one that they had been planning. How were you taken aback, or were you at all, by what Bill had to say on Monday, this week, in the uh, the season-ending, you know, news conference that he had with you guys? Were, were you at all surprised by anything he had to say? Well, anytime he mentions his contract, John, I think that is surprising. <laughs> you know, we'd have to say that because he never does that. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that that he would even acknowledge that he's, you know, what his contract status is, and that he's under contract for 2024. You know, so that that was a surprise. I would also add that his tone to me, now the, the content of his answer, probably um, if you look at it in print, shouldn't come as a surprise, but his tone when he was asked about whether or not he would be open to giving up personnel responsibilities for the Patriots uh, yeah. was surprising to me because it was the tone of a guy who sounded open to change. Now, he, he didn't say that. Uh, he didn't say that he would be willing to give that up. He talked about a collaborative process, that he would be part of that collaboration, you know, as things stand right now with him under contract. Um, so, the, again, the, the words themselves, if you go back and read them, maybe not surprising, but that tone that he struck, that was the kind of question, John, 
that I heard, and my assumption was, having covered hundreds of Bill Belichick press conferences and conference calls, I thought for sure that would be met with a, yeah, we're not going to get into a whole lot of hypothetical situations here today and move on to the next question. But it wasn't. It was, I'm open to doing what's best for the football team, essentially. And so that served as a a surprise to me, too. I would just say, overall, uh, the messaging that I thought was coming from Bill Belichick's press conference, remember that, that comment that he's under contract, that came in his opening statement. He wasn't asked about his contract. He was planning on saying that before he got to us. And right. so to me, the messaging was, I'm here. This is still my job. I will treat it as my job until it's no longer my job. And if it's not my job in the near future here, that's not my call. That's somebody else's decision. That's going to be on ownership. So don't look at me if I'm no longer the New England Patriots head coach. You know, not in so not saying that in so many words, but essentially I thought the message was that's that's not what I want. That's maybe what they want if that's the ultimate result. Sure. And and I think I can certainly understand why that would be a, a plausible um, you know, description of, of what transpired. I, I think it can go both ways based on 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 what I know of, of Coach Belichick and how he's handled things in the past. But I think we all know he's an extraordinarily smart man. And anytime you can gain the upper hand or at least prepare yourself for what you know is inevitable going to come, you're going to do what you can to, you know, put the onus on the other guy. It's all part of playing the game. This is business. This is the business of sport, the business of football. And you have to look out for number one in that regard. And I, I'm, I, I can certainly understand understand why he would have said that and put that into play when he's never done that before. No question. I I wouldn't begrudge him that at all. Uh, And it's, you know, I thought it was probably a smart move on his part uh, to get out in front of it and, and send his message early, you know, 7.30 AM meeting with the media uh, in all likelihood before he had his meeting with the craft. And he said in that conference call that it could be multiple meetings. and, And I've heard the same thing, you know, since then that, uh, they'll probably be in communication more than once here as they as they figure out uh, how to handle this moving forward. But no, I don't blame him at all. He's obviously no stranger to the the business of football, and uh, it is I think hard for us to remember that sometimes. And these are business people who are ultimately at the end of the day running the organization. And so this is something that was told to me before this season even began. But if you're Robert Kraft, if you're Jonathan Kraft, and, and you have a number of different companies, and you're uh, trying to determine, you know, how you want to handle your essentially your CEO position or any major executive position, uh, yeah. would you rather have a succession plan in place and give the job to someone who has been working under that CEO for some period of time, or would you rather hire another CEO from another company from another business and then teach them everything? that it is that you would like them to know as they run your business uh, in a new role. And so uh, that, you know, that sort of analogy was presented to me when, when I started asking about, well, if, you know, if, if Belichick, if it doesn't work out this year and he's not back, you know, who out there, who across the league would they be looking at? How many, how many coaches did they even have great relationships with? Now, Mike Brable would be one of them, which I think, again, you know, it's, there, there's a reason why we're all talking about him today. Yeah, but yeah. when you've had one head coach for so long, how many coaches out there head coaching with head coaching experience do you even really know? And that's how it was pointed out to me. Hey, they, they run a number of businesses. Do they, if they ever have to replace an executive with another executive, would they rather pull somebody from, from Coke or Apple 
to, yeah. to all of a sudden run their business and learn anything or, or, or learn everything? Or would they rather elevate from within? And I think that's what they're going to end up doing here. And I think, ironically, that's the way the football operation is always run. They, they, elevate, they elevate from within. The problem is, and, and, I, and I do want to deal with a little bit of hypothetical for just a minute here, Phil, because I know you're good at that. And, and that's fine. I think this is what fans want to talk about. But, um, uh, you know, this may have something to do with how Bill's, you know, tenure here and how his career got derailed to begin with. Because when they kept dipping into the well to replace guys who were leaving and moving on, uh, at some point in time, you've got to teach too much, and there's just not enough, you know, depth of, of perception or knowledge that's you know left behind in order to continue to do the job at the rate to which you are used to having it done. I'm wondering, in your opinion, what in particular might have set Bill on this path toward uh, destruction, so to speak, if he is not back as the head coach? I think it's a couple of decisions. Um, it's probably you'd have to start with the Tom Brady decision and the fact that that went the way it did, even though I was somebody who at the time understood, uh, I understood the the desire to move on at that point in time and to look for something fresh. And I uh, was someone who said, listen, the program has been what it's been for a long period of time. And it's not just because of the quarterback. Uh, you know, they typically have an idea of what they have coming next. They have succession plans in place. And this is a well-thought-out operation, and they'll survive. And even if it's not great early, they might be better off for it if they just rip the Band-Aid off and, and, and begin again. Um, right. That obviously wasn't the case, and obviously that hurt Robert Kraft, the way that thing ended with Tom Brady. And he goes on, he wins a Super Bowl. So that's, that starts it. But I think it's the overall handling of that position, John. And I think it's, a, it's, a, it's the most recent example, and it's probably the strongest example of no coach is safe if they can't get the quarterback position right, not even the greatest of all time. And you could make the argument that they got it right in 2021 yeah. with Mac Jones based on the rookie season he had. Sure. But it's not just drafting the guy. It's not just finding him. It's developing him. It's surrounding him with the right people. And so the decisions to surround Mac Jones with the coaches that he surrounded him with in year two, the loss of confidence that he experienced that led to a spiral in his play, and led to really the Patriots not being able to compete in some of these games. They com they competed on the scoreboard, but offensively, they were expansion level at best at times this year, as we all saw. And so, you were asking the defense to do otherworldly things and you know pitch shutouts and try to score defensively just to try to win games. That's not how it should work in nope. today's NFL. So I don't think it was that many decisions. It was probably two or three. They all happened on the offensive side of the ball, and I think that's why the Patriots are where they are right now, why the Crafts are looking to move on. Yeah, I, I think uh, there's one statement that, that Coach Belichick made, and I don't even remember the exact moment, but when he made it, uh, I remember thinking to myself, Phil, I remember thinking, uh-oh, this might be problematic. When he said, when there was some inst uh, some uh, internal discussion and, and certainly external discussion within the media about who's going to come in and, and be the offensive coordinator after Josh McDaniels left for the Raiders. And he said, well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, football coaches coach football. Uh-oh. That one, that one, ding, 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 the alarm in my head on that one. And, of course, obviously ended up becoming Matt Patricia that ends up ma making the calls on offense and criticize that for whatever reason you want. Uh, but it just kind of told me that, you know, I, I don't know if this was a bottom-line decision based on money. I don't know if it's because, 
he truly believed that or if he was just doing a favor for a guy who had been loyal to him in his past. I guess you could probably say a little bit of everything kind of went into that decision. But that's the one to me. And then that's, of course, when Max started to stumble, uh, if he hadn't already started, certainly began uh, from that point forward uh, that you kind of look back and say, wait a second, we need to go back here. And man, if I had a do over, I think I would I think I would put one in right there. Yeah, I think I think it was basically an overestimation of Matt Patricia's ability to do what yeah. Bill Belichick needed him to do, which was not only coordinate the offense, but install a new offense. Yeah, Remember, they, they didn't want to run the Tom Brady offense anymore, even though Mac Jones had success with it. And what I was told by you know assistants on that staff is he, he was running our offense. He was it wasn't it didn't have quite the breadth that obviously uh, and the volume that it had when Tom Brady was here. But it was the Patriots offense as Tom Brady ran it. And he had a lot of responsibilities at the line of scrimmage. And, of course, he had a lot of help from uh, Josh McDaniels and others on that offensive staff. But he was making all the checks. And he was asked to be accurate and a pretty good decision maker. And he obviously he had his hiccups, especially down the stretch of that rookie season. But right. he impressed a lot of people on that staff who, in all honesty, I don't think were all that enamored with him when he first got to them. But he won them over with the way he prepared and the way he worked and the way he improved and was able to obviously beat out Cam Newton and end up taking that job. But I think it was it was just an overestimation. It was putting too much on Matt Patricia. You know, they did have, ironically, you know, we're talking about elevating from within. They did have a guy who's considered a pretty good offensive line and still relatively young who was on the staff and would have been able to kind of maintain that McDaniel system because he was uh, so important to helping McDaniel's game plan. I know he's a big part of the red zone offense preparation week to week. was Nick Cayley. Yep. Who was who was one of the few who didn't leave for Vegas with Josh McDaniels? Uh, Bill Belichick wanted him to stick around and coach the tight ends last year. He's now out in L.A. coaching the tight ends in L.A. under Sean McVay, uh, but he is considered a pretty up, you know young and impressive up and coming offensive coordinator potentially in the near future, maybe even head coach. You know, you see him on a lot of these lists that get released by the league um, and by NFL media about you know guys to keep an eye on. They had Nick Haley here. And they opted to go with Matt Patricia instead and choose a different offense to try to teach everyone. I think Bill Belichick thought Matt was the better option because that's the thing he wanted to do. And it ended up blowing up in his face. Sure. All right. Uh, one more quick one for you, Phil. And again, thank you for the time today. It, uh, your, your opinions mean a lot here. Um, if this change is made and with Mike Vrabel's name jumping into the mix, what does this do for Gerard Mayo's opportunity, or at least our alleged, uh, you know, thinking uh, in terms of an opportunity to become the next Patriots head coach? You know, I'm not sure it changes it all that significantly. I, I think he's still the the betting favorite to be the next head coach of the Patriots, and I think because of the way he has been perceived by ownership, again for for some time now, going back to that statement that was made last off season. I would say he's he's still the favorite. Now, doesn't mean they won't consider Mike Vrabel and others. And again, doesn't mean they won't go through an interview process. They have to by rule. Yeah. But Mayo has impressed them um, significantly in his time, obviously as a player, but in his time with the team now as head coach, or sorry, excuse me, as as a coach, I should say, as a potential future head coach. I mean, again, Robert Kraft has been open about how he uh, views Mayo as head coaching material. And so I think that's been the plan. I think that's been in the works for some time. And uh, I'm not sure the Mike Vrabel availability will necessarily move them and force them to veer off course. 
just for your edification, for anybody who's paying attention on here, uh, I got the latest odds on next Patriots head coach from bookies.com today. How about that one? <laughs> what do we got? What do we got? Uh, uh, Gerard Mayo is still the favorite at plus 125. Uh, the others on the list, some of them are surprising. Mike Vrabel, right now to me, is a hell of a value pick because bookies.com has him at plus 1,800. Interesting. So, yeah, and who, really is, interesting. Is there anybody the, between those two? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kellen Moore, Frank Smith, Zach Callahan, Ben Johnson, Dan Quinn, Cliff Kingsbury. Wow. Those well, are all I, names. I Rabel feels yeah. like, the, like uh, maybe the maybe the uh, if you had the value pick right now, yeah, yeah, value pick. I still view. Uh, I would still say uh, Mayo looks like the the option to me, but uh, but Rabel feels like number two uh, at worst. So yeah, don't don't be don't be putting your money on Killamore out there, people. That's all. Yeah. I, say. <laughs> I was just gonna say, wow. I you know either they know something that we don't or whatever. But I looked at that list, and which is why I wanted to bring it up today. And I'm just like, dang. I, you know, if if I were gonna do that, uh, I'd have to consider seriously consider uh, Rabes on this one. I I because just of everything that's transpired over the last 24 hours. I I don't think um, I don't think that's a bad. That's a bad way to go about it. I, uh, yeah, I just uh, some of the other names to me it would be a it would be a two name list. If I was yeah. running bookies.com, I'd eliminate every other name on there. Yeah, I think I kind of would too. But I know they're in the business of making money, aren't we all? Right? I guess. Hey, yeah, I guess you're right. If you can swindle people into spending money, <laughs> what was that? Zach? Wait, did him? You, I didn't even. Uh, yeah, I right. And wait, wait, quite honestly, I didn't even really recognize. Him. What What was that word you used? Oh, swindle. Callahan, Zach Callahan. <laughs> Maybe Bill Callahan's son. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, hey, news to me. I'm, I'm like, okay, you if go. you think so. But again, you know, how many times have you know we have marveled at the fact that you know Vegas knows the point spreads when we are sure something's going to go a certain way, and yet it always ends up bouncing out to a point spread. Usually, for all is said and done, when it comes to you know games week in and week out. There's a there's a reason we're going out there for the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. It's. Uh, <laughs> They've been, it's a city that's been built by some smart people. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. That's why they've got all these teams and all these people out there. And, yeah, that's why they're, it's still the hot thing. Phil, thank you again for the time today. Thank you for your coverage throughout the course of the season. Thanks for taking some time to visit with our fans here on Patriots.com radio. Uh, and, uh, hey, I know that uh, the, the job isn't over yet. Won't be over probably for at least a little bit. But when you do, I hope you get some downtime. And then we'll, we'll tee it off uh, and we'll, we'll tee it up again uh, in, uh, in August. Sounds great, John. Happy to speak with you anytime, man. Hope you're doing great, and uh, let's all buckle up. It's going to be a wild offseason, so I'm sure your, I, your listeners will be doing exactly that. It will be historical because we just haven't gone through this before. So you know, it, it just that's why it's going to be interesting. And uh, I would tell you that even in all the the, the supposition and all the uh, alleged this and maybe that and everything that we're talking about, it's been a hell of a lot more interesting than this football season was. There's no question. There's no question about that. Thanks again, Thanks, for Phil. Me, John. I appreciate you, man. All right, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you. That's Phil Perry at Phil A. Perry 
on X, where you can find all of his work, and obviously on Boston, uh, NBCSportsBoston.com. Um, you know, he always shares some really good insight. He and Tom Curran, uh, you know, do a podcast together as well, which, you know, I don't mind promoting because it, it causes conversation. It creates conversation for all of us here. And I think that's really kind of what we're in the, uh, the, the business of doing is creating this conversation. That's what we want to do. Uh, that's what we're in the business of doing. So as we get ready to embark upon hour number two in the playbook here for a Wednesday, again, a little bit of a different start time. So if you're tuning in, you're wondering who the hell this is, you know, normally the playbook runs from 2 to 4 p.m. on Wednesdays, but we slid into the old PU um, time slot today because I've got college basketball duties at Madison Square Garden tonight, so uh, I'll be on the mic for that one, and uh, and we decided. And this is our normal time slot again anyway uh, during the offseason, and we don't even have the dates for the offseason shows yet. Maureen, I don't think we've discussed this yet, you and I, So, uh, but it will begin in February, and we'll go monthly. Uh, for a, a playbook pro, uh, program, uh, we'll do a live show. Usually it's the last Wednesday of the month. One or two slight variations depending on uh, uh, off-season vacations and things along those lines. But it's primarily the last Wednesday of a month. Uh, and we do that um, February through August. And then uh, we launch uh, you know, week one of the NFL season. Uh, and we'll go back to our, our weekly program during the regular season. So I think the uh, last count that brings me to like seven off-season programs. So if you can't be with us live on that last Wednesday of a month, hey, the podcast will always be here. And I hope that you'll download the podcast. And if you have comments one way or the other, look, the phone lines, when we do a show and we do it live here, they're always open. I know that you guys know that on PU. Uh, it's the same way here, you know, in the playbook, 855-PATS-500, 855-PATS-500. Uh, you can always reach the program, webradio at patriots.com on email. And then especially during the off season when we only do the monthly show, if you got something on your mind and you want to, uh, you know, share it uh, or criticize it or comment on it, uh, hit me up on X, uh, at JR Broadcaster, uh, formerly Twitter.com. But hit me up on uh, my, my handle on that one. And um, or you can post on my Facebook page. I still keep Facebook around because I, I like sharing pictures. So that's kind of my thing. And I have an Instagram as well. It's also at JR Broadcaster. So you can you know follow there as well. And we can do the off-season things. And I do sort of, I do read, I don't know if you know this or not, I, I do read everything that you said. Whether it's a, a, a post, whether it's a tweet, whether it's an email, I read it all. And then there are a few of them, quite honestly, that I like to kind of save and pull around because it gives me a topic of conversation to move on in because we don't know which direction we're going to really go in a lot of shows during the offseason, depending on what happens, especially now, because there's so much that's up in the air. I mean, I told Phil just a couple of months ago, this is historical. This, is, this has never happened. Uh, what we're doing here in this particular venue this has never happened in the uh, you know sixty plus year history of the New England Patriots. You know we've we've had Patriots.com uh, radio since two thousand, um, and this program launched uh, Patriots Playbook launched in two thousand and one, and we've never had to go through anything like this because we've always had Bill Belichick as a constant, and we've always had Patriots success as a constant, and now the success has waned over the last three to four years. Uh, and sure, I mean, if you're any other franchise in the NFL, if you're any other professional franchise especially, when you're used to a certain success level and you go multiple years, successive multiple years, without 
achieving close to that success, change is going to occur. That is a natural way to go about doing business in the business of sport, whether it's pro or college sports nowadays. I think we all realize that the game of, of college athletics has changed tremendously uh, in the last few years uh, just because of the amount of money involved. We've seen it. You know, you've got conferences, you know, that are imploding. After over 100 years of history, the, the Pac-12 is, is no longer. Um, you know, and you've got NIL, which, you know, rules, you know, because players now and athletes get paid, you know, for, you know, name, image, and likeness. Uh, and so, I mean, the, the entire sports world is changing. Why shouldn't professional sports be the same? And if you've never gone through this, why shouldn't the Patriots go through what other teams, other organizations, other sports have gone through? That's what we're going through. It's just different if you're a Patriots fan. We haven't gone through this before. Uh, Dakota Randall covers the Patriots for Nesson, the New England Sports Network, and Nesson.com. And he joined us up next here, you know, in the playbook. Hey, Dakota, how goes the battle today? Uh, doing all right. Doing all right. Just trying to stay above water down here in Rhode Island with all the flooding. But I'm doing all right. How are you? Wow. So you uh, you, you got it where, uh, where you are in Rhode Island? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, there's some pretty immense flooding going on. And even though the the rain stopped, it's actually getting worse because of the river level. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting day down here. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised. Uh, even in New York, uh, that was uh, they've shut down a bunch of streets in Brooklyn and what have you because of the everything that rolled through last night. So uh, one of those things that we have to kind of deal with uh, at this time of year, especially. I'm just glad it's not six feet of snow out there right now. So that's that's the only good thing that I can see out of this. Um, what's your let's 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 start with your 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 thoughts overall on I guess the the, the starting and then the all of a sudden stopping of the process toward uh, next year for the New England Patriots, certainly revolving around whether or not Bill Belichick will be the head coach going forward or if there's somebody else in mind uh, that the organization has uh, in mind for themselves. Where do you stand on this? Do you feel like Bill has a legit chance to come back? Or do you feel like, yeah, it is time to kind of rip off the Band-Aid and let's, let's move on with this? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating, right? And I, I think I like, like a lot of people around here, I've kind of gone back and forth on it. You know, and one of my main thoughts, you know, as recently as, you know, the start of this week was, I just don't know where their immediate upgrade is. Like, yeah, it's easy to say move on from Bill Belichick, but, you know, what options are out there and do they make you any better? Is there any quick fix, including Gerard Mayo, um, who doesn't have a ton of experience? And I just thought yeah, there was a chance that as we got closer to decision day um, that I could see the crafts thinking like, you know, our Bill is still our best chance at turning things around. Uh, but I think, you know, that changed yesterday with Mike Brable becoming available. I think you have to factor that in now. I know Tommy Kern had a report last night that he said that that doesn't really change for them, that they still are kind of fixed on Mayo if they move on from Bill. But, you know, I have to believe the track record and the success of Brable, uh, you know, has to change the calculus on some level. And for me, you know, he, I don't know necessarily if he would be an upgrade per se, um, but I think he's a very, very good coach, one of the best in the league. And, and to me, that could be uh, what they need to do to turn things around. Yeah, I just I, I just thought, and again, I mentioned this earlier in the program today, Dakota, that, you know, when he was here for his Hall of Fame induction speech, um, I, I just, I got the sense that, wow, you know, if it ever happened that Bill was going to step down, that Mike Vrabel, if he were available, would probably be a worthwhile successor because he can combine, you know, a new look and maybe a new, new newer philosophy along with, 
the way things have been and the way the Patriots became the Patriots because he was a part of that quote-unquote Patriot way, having been on Super Bowl championship teams here in New England, that would be a unique combination that I quite frankly think that if you're a a smart businessman, while reaching into the past to hold on a little bit of that but looking toward the future, that's something that might be attractive to you. I I agree, and you know, I think in many ways, he just represents kind of a modernized version of Bill Belichick. You know, I think Mike Vrabel's greatest strength maybe is just his in-game coaching and his in-game management. I think he's one of, if not the very best in the game right now. And I think, you know, that for so long was the difference that Bill Belichick made. But, you know, with Mike Vrabel, I think, you know, he has embraced analytics. He has embraced, um, in some respects, the modern direction of the NFL. So I think he'd bring a lot of the things that made Bill Belichick successful. Um, and then some of the, maybe the changes that people want to see. But you know, on that uh, note about the Hall of Fame ceremony, uh, I don't know if you saw it all, but Ian Rappaport, shortly before we got on the phone here, said that the comments Rabel made during that halftime speech in Foxborough uh, played a role in the Titans' decision to fire him. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Wow. All right. Well, that is interesting because, yeah, we've talked about it here on this show. I've I've written about it. I've, I've Yeah. That you know, Did anybody else notice the fact that uh, when he said, hey, we got to wrap this up, we have a game to play here, was anybody else sort of taken aback by that? And and I made that comment for two and a half months ago. And, and, and now Ian Rappaport's picking up on that. That's freaking amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think it was one of those things that at the time a lot of us sat up like, huh, well, that's interesting, but you kind of dismiss it because you're like, well, you know, at that point, we're not really thinking there's no. a chance Bill could go anywhere, and we're not thinking right. there's a chance Rabel could get fired, but right. connected those dots, and so I think here in the here and now, it's it's also fair to connect the dots Rabel to the Patriots, but yeah, it was a pretty definitive report by him. He said that the comments he made during the halftime ceremony played a role, and I guess his sort of refusal to dismiss the rumors about the Patriots in-house when he was asked about them also played a role. You know, he's always been a favorite. The Crafts have always liked him. Uh, I think they were a driving force behind his being elected into the Patriots Hall of Fame. Uh, I think the fans have always liked him. He's always represented something in particular, whether it's the Patriot way or something else to to fans. You know, uh, whether it's toughness, tradition, whatever you want to call it, he's kind of represented that. And and if you were going to make a move from, you know, uh, you know the greatest of all time, uh, if we put Bill Belichick in that category, and, and I certainly do, then Vrabel would probably be the next logical step to take. And if he is, and again, I'm sure this is all being discussed now, you know, like I said earlier, maybe literally as we speak, what, what does this do about, you know, Gerard Mayo, the heir apparent who obviously uh, turned down other opportunities to stick around and make money for it, of course, but, you know, he's been the de facto, you know, house guy for at least the last year or more. And I'm just kind of curious, is this something that would still make it plausible that he could be a part of, or do we just, you know, cut bait and move on in all in all forms and facets? Yeah, you know, I think certainly if, if, if Vrabel came here, I think Gerard Mayo would be uh, a great choice for defensive coordinator. But what I would say is I think the Patriots have somebody else in-house uh, who could be ready to become a D.C. Uh, right away, and that's Demarcus Covington. Uh, he got uh, D- uh, defensive coordinator interviews last offseason, Um, I think the Patriots defensive line was arguably their best personnel group all season long, both just in terms of performance and the way they improved. When you look at someone like Christian Barmore, Um, I think he did an excellent job and I think he's very much a defensive coordinator in waiting. So if Brable coming here did mean the end for Gerard Mayo, um, I wouldn't necessarily worry about that if I'm a Patriots fan, because I think DeMarcus Covington is ready for that kind of job. 
All right, so what do you think uh, Dakota Randall, who again, who covers the Patriots beat for Nesson.com here with us in the playbook, what, 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 do you, what do you think the next steps are? I mean, what do you think is your opinion of what might be transpiring right now, and is Bill Belichick still, in your estimation, a legitimate option to return? You know, I do think, I think he is an option to return, I, and I think it's trending toward him not returning. Um, I still think it's on the table, you know, maybe, maybe 30, 70, right? Uh, 30 in favor uh, of him staying, 70 in favor of going. Um, but as far as the timeline, you know, heading into this week, you know, we were, we were all talking about this last week. We were sort of saying, well, if, if a trade is what the crafts want to do, this thing could draw out for a while. Um, but I think the reporting in recent days has really sort of squashed a lot of that talk about a trade. Um, so now I think we're, it feels like we've reached a place where it's either, you know, he's here or he's not. There's not going to be some sort of long, drawn-out trade process. So, like, for me, I'm expecting something by the end of the week. I'd be stunned if we reach the weekend and we don't hear anything. Wow. Okay. My original premise was, and I opened the show with it today, Dakota, was that I really thought that something would happen relatively quickly because I've never known the crafts to uh, – uh, to be dawdlers, if I can borrow that phrase. And if something didn't happen in the first 48 hours, that he was more likely to stay. But because of Vrabel's, you know, firing at Tennessee, that that might have just thrown at least a, a, a one fly in the ointment so they could do the due diligence on it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think you have to, and may, you know, maybe this is the NFL, right? I mean, there's a chance that the Crafts all along knew that this could be the outcome for Vrabel, uh, you can't discount that. But if it did just sort of, you know, fall into their plates, um, I think you, it has to factor in, into their decision making because you look at Mike Vrabel and you think you can look at some, you can look at him as someone who could be the leader of the franchise for the long term uh, at a very high level. So he has to factor in the, into their decision making at this point, in my opinion. It sounds almost ridiculous even to talk about personnel issues now because clearly we don't know the direction of this team uh, and this organization without knowing who the head coach is and who's going to be you know, running the show as far as a GM or personnel per, you know, uh, you know, department or anything like that. That having been said, I wanted to ask you and get your thoughts on guys who are under contract who we know potentially will be here in New England for next year that you feel are, are uh, still building blocks. Or do they need to just kind of, you know, scrap, you know, some of these and and uh, uh, and move on? I realize if you're under contract, it, it's not as easy to do that. But I think where there's a will, there's a way. Just about any way you go about, you know, trying to retool and rebuild. What are your thoughts? At least the way that this season ended, and and clearly this last Sunday was about as ugly as I've seen in a long, long, long time. Maybe since maybe since I began back in the early '90s you know, covering this team, uh, and even the late eighties. Um, I just, are there guys on this team that you look at and say, wow, I could see, I could see them as a part of the future and being successful again in new England. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I do fall into the camp and this is partly why, you know, I wouldn't just scoff at the notion of Belichick returning. And I don't think it would be necessarily a bad decision for them because I don't think they're that far away. I think they have a lot of things to accomplish this offseason, uh, but I think lesser franchises have accomplished all those things in one offseason. Look at the Houston Texans, their turnaround. If you get the quarterback, a lot of things can fall from that. And so for the yeah. pieces the Patriots already have in place, you know, I think Christian Barmore, right, that's, you know, an interior pass rusher at that level is something every team's looking for. Having one in place is a huge benefit for them. 
I think Keon White showed a lot of promise to, uh, you know, maybe just be the next next Dietrich Wise. You know, we'll have to see what Christian Gonzalez looks like, right? I mean, he looked like a franchise cornerback those first few weeks, but that was just three weeks, right? Where where is he going to yeah. be next season? But I think he you, you put him in that group for sure. Um, and then, you know, we'll have to see how Marte Mapu does, if he's someone who can be the next free safety. Uh, I think he's got a lot to prove. I wouldn't put him in that group yet, but I think he has the ability to be. And then on the off- offensive side of the ball, not a lot, right? You know, I think we all believe in yeah. Demario Douglas. Um, and on the offensive line, I think Mike and Wendu, if they bring him back, that that he is a piece of the, of the future. Um, but that's really it on the offensive side of the ball, right? There's not a lot of guys under contract, not a lot of pillars, uh, you would say. But I do think, especially on the defensive side of the ball, uh, there's a lot to work with there for the future. Yeah, the, on the defense, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, this team, even, you know, when they lost Christian Gonzalez and, and Matt Judon earlier this year, that you could see this team still had a lot of fight and a lot of ability, natural ability, which is certainly encouraging. And, you know, the Jets came notwithstanding uh, because they allowed, you know, Brees Hall to, you know, uh, run all over them. But at the same time, um, uh, there's enough there. And, and if you can add Gonzalez back, if you add, you know, Judon or someone like him back as well, you got an opportunity now to again have one of those top five, you know, top six or seven defenses uh, that will allow you to be considered competitive, certainly on that side of the ball. But maybe if you can bring your offense up to snuff, now you're talking about a team that could go from, you know, four or five wins to, you know, 10 or 11 wins potentially in a single year. And, and we have seen, especially in the last few years, teams go from worst to first, also from first to worst, but worst to first. Uh, and get into the playoffs and, and become significant factors in not only their division races, but into the postseason. And, you know, the, the Patriots already have a pretty good defense in place. I'm of the opinion that with the right moves, the right moves again, let me stress that word right, the right moves in place, this team can be competitive starting next year. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and, again, I think it all really starts on the offensive line. I mean, at quarterback, of course, that's that, that that's obvious, but I think, you know, it really starts on the offensive line because you know having your line set up really enables you to to win in, in so many more different ways. I mean, look at the when the Titans were good a few years back with Mike Vrabel, and they were able to get far in the playoffs really with a, a, a heavy emphasis on the running game. Um, and so, you know, if you have your line attack, you can run, you can have a pocket passer, you can have a mobile quarterback, enables you to do all those things. So I think it starts there. And so I think they have the bones of a good offensive line for the future if they resign Mike and Wenu. Because you have Mike and Wenu. You know, I thought City South showed a lot of promise at right guard. Yeah. Uh, I think Spencer, you know, David Andrews is excellent. How long is he is he plan on playing? What's his future in New England? We'll have to see. Uh, but you know, they spent a high draft pick on his potential replacement last year in Jake Andrews. Um, and I thought Cole Strange showed a lot of promise and a lot of improvement before he got hurt as well. He used a draft pick Antonio Mafia on that. So I think the interior and the right side of the line are set up for success. It's just left tackle, right? They got to address that one way or the other. If they get that figured out, um, I think that's a huge step forward. Yeah, huge step in the right direction. And uh, again, we don't know what kind of philosophy is going to be in. We don't even know what kind of personnel may be a preference of whoever's the head coach or, or whoever is the, um, uh, you know, in charge of uh, you know, the personnel, you know, on the roster just the yet. Coach? Right. Who's the well, yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it. 
Yeah, it has to be a part of it because let, let's face it. I mean, Adrian Clem may not be back next year. We know the you know had the illness that he came through during the course of the year, and and uh, we really don't know much about that right now. It's one of those on you know hidden things that clearly will play itself out uh, once you know uh, the coaching staff becomes finalized for next year as well. And uh, it, it seems to me to be logical that you might want to consider making that move and in moving on, especially if there's a health issue involved here. And if that's the case, there are going to be different guys that different coaches want to work with or have a different opinion on in terms of the personnel i mean let's face it in this in this sport especially at this high level playing a sport that this this physical and this violent at times um to each his own and some coaches some philosophers think that speed is more than anything right now and, and i can understand why they would think that but there's also a certain significant factor to winning battles of strength in the in the trenches and i think that's where the patriots had huge problems offensively because they were literally overpowered uh by defensive lines throughout much of this season you didn't see a whole lot of forward movement even from a guy who i think showed that he still had a little life left in his legs and ezekiel elliott running the football and Ramondre stevenson before he got hurt there wasn't the same forward push even in run blocking that we had seen in years past in in recent past and so it tells me that the personnel might be young but whatever it is, they're not doing the same things that we've been seeing in the past. And, yeah, you might have to think about making a change in that regard. Yeah, and so much of it comes down to, you know, who's the offensive coordinator? You know, right now it's Bill O'Brien, right. and you know, right. I believe he's under contract. So yeah. you have to assume it's him. But if, if Mike Vrabel comes, does he bring Arthur Smith? Uh, you know, what's the, what's the situation with Josh McDaniels? There's talk that maybe they could pair him up with Bill O'Brien. What does that all look like? Um, and then, you know, when you have those people in place, who do they want for an offensive line coach? And, you know, if, if an Arthur Smith comes, does he look, you know, and he installs an offensive line coach, does that guy look at the line and, say, and think, well, I'm of the belief that Cole Strange is a center because a lot of people thought that before the draft. Let's move him yeah. over there and make yeah. Antonio Moffitt the left guard. So there's so many things, you know, that could be changed based on, you know, who the assistants are next season. And it makes it really hard to sort of speculate about what the team might look like next year because there's just so much in flux right now. All right, so uh, let's get back then before we wrap it up here. Let's get back to speculating. Um, uh, best case, what you know at this moment, it's 121 Eastern time on Wednesday, all right? And it's uh, it's uh, January the 10th. As we're doing this live here, Dakota, and I'm just kind of curious of what you think Right now, what will transpire over the next 24 to 48 hours? You said earlier in our conversation that, you know, you'd be surprised if something didn't happen by the end of the week. What is that something that you think will probably happen? Yeah, and really more than anything, I'm going off um, what's been reported by the, the people who've covered this team the longest and I sure. think at the highest level. Uh, and they've all been pointing in one direction, um, that Belichick uh, won't be here that the team will move on from him. Um, and so I personally, I would be surprised if that's not the outcome here over the next 48 hours or, you know, into the early part of the weekend. I think that uh, uh, I, I'll take the opposite tact on that based on the things that I know and that I've heard. Uh, I would tell you that I will be mildly surprised if he's not. I still believe strongly that if uh, it didn't happen in, in the first couple of days, uh, that it was more likely that he would come back, especially after what he told us all on Monday, that, you know, he would be open to whatever change. And again, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Uh, and, and we don't know whether or not that'll work out. If he doesn't come back as head coach, my guess is, is that, you know, there is a mutual meeting of the minds that this is not going to work going forward. And they're still in that discovery process. 
So that discovery process has not completed itself. Then when you add Mike Vrabel's firing in Tennessee into the mix, it kind of muddies the whole puddle a little bit further. And I think that's going to require a little more time to work out. And, you know, hey, there'd be a lot of uh, would you being played. Would you take this? Would you move here? Would you do that? Would you go here? That kind of thing. And so they're going to ask that of a lot of people. They're going to play would you with a lot of people. Mike Vrabel, uh, Josh McDaniels, uh, you know uh, Gerard Mayo, uh, Bill Belichick. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get that question thrown at them, and then you've got to sort through it all and decide this is the next best step to take for the franchise. Because again, they've never had to take this step before. This is unprecedented, and they want to get it right. And I think that right. the Patriots and, and I think the the Crafts in particular have a history of getting things right. And uh, if, if the last few years have been wrong, this is the time for them to take a new step and move a different direction. If that includes, you know, ripping off the Band-Aid, as the saying goes, and, and replacing Bill, fine. But if they think that it can happen because Bill may very well be the best coaching candidate that's out there, um, then you figure out a way to make it to make it work. And this process is not going to be done in 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, and you uh, and and I certainly don't think uh, you're at all off for for suggesting that. Let alone the the idea that Belichick could be back. I've always thought the possibility of him coming back, you know, was greater than what a lot of people assume, just because of who he is, um, yep. and because of you know what the team showed at, at times this year. Um, you know, one of the but one of the main reasons why I believe, and whether it's you know 48 hours or you know within the next three or four or five days, you know, either way, I think the current NFL guidelines and rules. Um, I think the earliest they could announce a new head coach is something like January 23rd, based on the hiring guide or the, the interview guidelines, the Rooney rule and everything like that. But you yeah. know, these teams, they want to have their staffs in place and sort of a vision ready to go. When you start coming up to the senior bowl, the shrine bowl, preparing for the draft. Um, so while I do agree, it would not surprise me if it lingered on maybe a little bit longer, but I do think it would behoove them to sort of, you know, figure it out sooner rather than later because you got to get going on the offseason plan. <laughs> yeah, you certainly do. Time is, hey, we're all waiting here. We we, we got to figure out, <laughs> hey, you got season ticket you know, to sell and, and sponsorships to sell and people want to know which direction the team is going to go and who's going to be the coach and do I want to plunk my hard-earned cash down, you know, to pay for this and sponsor that and yada, yada. And so there's there's a business to run here and, yeah, you do have to move forward. Hey, Dakota, thank you, thank you for the time today. Uh, great to talk to you, and uh, I hope that we get a chance to do this again soon. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You got it. Our pleasure. Uh, he's at Dak, D-A-K, uh, Randall, R-A-N-D-A-L-L, on X and X.com uh, if you want to follow his stuff. You obviously find a lot of the stuff that he writes about the New England Patriots on Nesson.com as well, N-E-S-N.com. Uh, follow him on the Patriots beat, therefore. Uh, is Eldred still there, Maureen? Eldred, you've been kind enough to hang on, and I'm curious to what you think about everything that we've been talking about this far. Uh, I listened to you earlier, and uh, I agree with Evan. There are certain spots, uh, except for the quarterback, and no, sir, don't run it back. I mean, <laughs> whatever whatever evidence do you need? Uh, just, just like this said on NFL Network, even Jason McCourty, since 2015, they ain't signed his drafting bad. He, they ain't never signed their first-round draft pick in, what, five, six years now? Seven? Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, they don't get a second contract. And the people that you did homegrown, I don't care if they can be second, third, or fourth round, and they work like a like a menu, uh, like Mason and all of them. You got yeah. rid of them, you trade them. You don't you don't keep them. 
And so that's why we're in the boat that we're in now. And when he had that little comment about, I'll do whatever it takes, but y'all didn't listen to the end of it. We'll collaborate, and, you know, we decide what's – no, he's deciding what's best. He's still in control. And, no, move on. He's 72. It's over. You know, it was a good run. Just like Tom Landry, just like Chuck Noll, just like uh, Don Shula. Once you got older and you passion, that's it. You know, but, just, why can't, but, why can't, but why can't Bill be different than Chuck Noll and Tom Landry? What's the, why should he be different? Why, should, why can't why he be different? Uh, because, like I said, you said coaching, right, sir? He's the greatest mm-hmm. coach for what you call. You're right. That's X's and O's. But it all, it starts more with X's and O's. It all starts with personnel, contracts, and everything else. He flunked on all of them. And that's why we ain't got no talent. And then what scares, like I told you before, what scares me the most, if he's still here, we got draft pick number three, trade him, draft down to 23, and he get them scuttle bugs that he always been getting. And ain't nothing changed. Ain't nothing uh, changed. Yeah. You get a bunch of draft picks, but you get people that, you know, that, that ain't going, you know, whatever. And then when you do get them, only one he, only one he started uh, right off was Gonzalez because he's defense and he's a starting corner. So you had to start. You couldn't sit there. I don't care if you had Jason McCordy or if you had uh, Gilmore. You had to start that guy because he's a first-round you had to start him. And that was the only reason, because he was good, you know. But other than that, name somebody else he's trying to start. That was first round and, and, you know, and let him play, go through the hang-up. Nobody. He don't do that. This team is lacking in talent, self, and everything else. And if that, that thing what they said last week about him and Bill O'Brien, you know, not let him have his staff, you know, you know it's a budget thing. And you don't use the same coaches. Well, you ain't developing no offensive line. You ain't developing no top five wide receivers. And you ain't doing too much with the, with the tight end. And if Bill O'Brien had to hold everything because he didn't trust them guys, and you want that person still in charge, no, yeah. send him on his way. 72 and set. <laughs> and let him go. Somehow I knew that you were going to kind of come up with that opinion. That's, but that's okay. That's why I wanted you to, to, to share it because, quite frankly, I think your sentiment is what a lot of fans feel right now, and uh, they're kind of tired of it and they want to move on, and I totally get that. I just What we're all trying to do here is figure out what we feel like would be the best way for this franchise to move forward from this point in time. And, you know, as I've said several times already today, look, this is unprecedented. We've never gone through this before. We, 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 we only know what others have gone through because we've never done that before here in New England, the collective we, of course. So uh, in, in that regard, what is the best way to move forward? And, and really, uh, uh, who's set the right example, you know, potentially for the Patriots to follow? Or are they going to trailblaze themselves on this move? And I think, you know, hey, if Bill is willing to sublet the personnel issues. No, no, well, he ain't going to do that. You don't know that. You you don't you don't know that. that. Nobody. <laughs> no no. Yeah. I well I know you laugh about okay, it, but okay, okay. It, but it, we it, don't know any that. Proof, any proof? Any proof? What he said? All the draft picks are. It's my decision. It's my decision who we pick. It's my decision yep. on the contract. It's his decision. So it ain't nobody been. else sitting in that room but him. That's right. It has so, been. The final decision has belonged to him. However. However, for him to keep his job, and how much does he want to keep his job here, or how much does he really want to move on elsewhere, for him to keep his job, he's going to have to sublet some of that somewhere. And I think we all are in agreement where that's concerned. 
that's going to happen. There's going to be some change if okay, Bill sir. is still here. There's going to be some change. Uh, I'm going to hit you with Evans hit you with. Okay. What if he said he'd go ahead and do this? And then let's say the GM gives him a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a tackle. Okay. He's going to play the quarterback because he needs one. But everybody else, he's just going to sit on the bench and put him where, where they want to put him. And then, okay, you're giving these guys, but they don't fit my system, and I'm not going sure. to put him in, put him in, the, in, the, in the roster. For the, for, so he still got control. Entirely he fair. He still got control. And entirely so, fair. Yeah, it, look, that, that, yeah, you're right, and that's entirely fair. But but again, we're, we're dealing in hypotheticals, and it's really difficult to predict hypothetically what's going to happen. I, I, I understand based on past history, it's going to be difficult for him to make a different type of move uh, you know, that, that, you know, he clearly would have to at least entertain that possibility. But again, until we get to that point in time, we don't know. And look, Bill's only going to coach for another couple of years. Maybe, you know, he wants the yes, record. And I think the record. Patriots yes. want him to have the record and they want him to have the record in new England as head coach, if it can be worked out, but these are the parameters. And if bill doesn't want to follow the parameters, then bill will be gone because it's not his team. It's the crafts <laughs> team. Right. I hear you. I hear okay. you, sir. I hear you. But all I'm going, I'm looking on is from 20, like I said, this is took over. He ran it his way. And you know, it as I know, it's hard for you to change if you're doing everything your way for 20-something years. And I, I agree. And, 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 and like Evan said, if let, let's say they get him that hot GM from San Francisco. They yeah. never work with him. They never sit with him. He's not going to listen to him. But on, you know, he'll take the player. Okay, I got him. And I'm coaching the way I feel, and that'll be that. And now Scott Pioli, no. Anybody outside of Belichick tree, no. Let him go because they won't run the same way. 17-13, run the ball. Boy, better don't make mistakes in defense. And like Evan said, football doesn't involve since 1970. If he hasn't seen the tea leaves, he need, he need to read a little bit more, you know, because yeah. hey, it's changed. It's Eldred, changed. I, I'm, I'm going to assume here as a little kid, when you'd scuff up your, your, your knee riding a bicycle, you had, you had bloody scabs all the time, right? Yes, I did a lot of jumping. <laughs> <laughs> I Listen, I totally understand why you think they should just rip it off and move on. I get that. And I, I, there's a lot of me that feels that way. I, I mostly do this to play devil's advocate so I can bring up the other side of the story because, quite frankly, if the other side happens, they're going to be like, well, how come you guys didn't talk about that? That's a possibility. Well, yeah. So my job is to bring up all the possibilities. And let's see, I've given you what I think will happen. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but this is based on my observations, my knowledge, some of it is a little bit more than others. Some of it's a little less than others, but that's okay. Yeah. We're, just, we're, we're, exchanging, we're exchanging viewpoints here. There's no right or wrong. There's no need to be first or, or you know, I just, you know, want to be accurate whenever we're exchanging information. So, uh, I, I, you know, I tend to think that the longer this goes on, the better a chance there is that he's going to still be coach, but it won't be the same way as it was this year and previous years. There will be changes going forward, and I think the Crafts will insist upon that. Again, that's just my opinion. They might insist, but like, like Evan said, I agree with Evan. You can talk that talk, but when it comes to walk that walk, can you walk it? And yeah, he won't right. walk it. Right. He won't walk it. You may very well be right, Eldred. Hey, my friend, uh, enjoy your offseason. I know we'll, we'll converse during the course of the offseason when we get the chance, but be safe when you're out on the roadways, all right? 
Oh, you too, sir. Always good talking, Mr. Legend. Have a good one. <laughs> Thank you. The one and only Eldred in North Carolina. Hey, I need to uh, grab a 60-second because uh, somebody's knocking at my door. So I'm going to get that done, and then we come right back with Russell Baxter and week one of the 2024 NFL playoff round. That's coming up here in the playbook. Get in on the action with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the New England Patriots. New customers can download the DraftKings app now and play free for millions in prizes using code PATS. That's code PATS only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details iPhone 15 Pro on Verizon. This holiday trade in any iPhone in any condition for the new iPhone 15 Pro with titanium, Apple TV 4K, and six months of Apple One. All on us with unlimited ultimate. Go to your local Verizon store now. Six months of Apple One, then $10 per month. $999.99 device payment or full retail purchase with new smartphone line on unlimited ultimate plan required. Less $1,000 trade-in slash promo credit applied over 36 months. Promo credit ends if eligibility requirements are no longer met. 0% APR. Apple TV 4K and Apple One offers require eligible phone purchase with activation on unlimited ultimate. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit Verizon.com for details. When someone accidentally threw away the school play costumes... Oh, no! Replacements were shipped with FedEx. And with picture-proof of delivery, everyone could focus on the perfect opening night. FedEx, where now meets next. For residential delivery only. Get in on the action with DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the New England Patriots. New customers can download the DraftKings app now and play free for millions in prizes using code PATS. That's code PATS only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details iPhone 15 Pro on Verizon. This holiday trade in any iPhone in any condition for the new iPhone 15 Pro with titanium, Apple TV 4K, and six months of Apple One. All on us with unlimited ultimate. Go to your local Verizon store now. Six months of Apple One, then $10 per month. $999.99 device payment or full retail purchase with new smartphone line on unlimited ultimate plan required. Less $1,000 trade-in slash promo credit applied over 36 months. Promo credit ends if eligibility requirements are no longer met. 0% APR. Apple TV 4K and Apple One offers require eligible phone purchase with activation on unlimited ultimate. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit Verizon.com for details. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. Now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. Good afternoon, Russell Baxter. Are you ready for some playoff football? Because uh, we're not going to get it in New England, that's for sure. Maybe soon enough, but not soon enough for most everybody around here. How are you? I'm good. Well, hope, hope springs eternal in this league. Uh, as we've seen this year, two last place teams from a year ago, yeah. the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans, who ironically will face each other in the first playoff game of the tournament, right. uh, were last place teams a year ago. Uh, Cleveland was 7-10. and 10, Houston was 3-13-1. and one. Which is and why I'm really happy that you brought this up. I'm really happy you brought that up because I alluded to that earlier. I mean, and someone said, well, you know, it's going to be a rebuilding process. I'm like, well, wait a second. There's no way in this current day and age of the NFL that teams can't go from worst to first or at least worst to the postseason because we see it done almost every year. And it could be the Patriots next year. John, a year ago, we saw four of the eight teams that finished last place make yep. the playoffs. Yep. Um, and not only make the playoffs, the Giants won a playoff game. The Jaguars won a playoff game. So it wasn't like they were one and out right. uh, as well. Yeah, things change. Listen, when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they were a last place team in 2016 and then went 13 and three and won the whole thing. Right. Okay. So, I mean, it, it does play. And, and just as easily, we see teams. I mean, think about the Jaguars who won their last five games last year and won, and won the division title. This year, they finished 9-8 and eight for the second straight year and didn't make the playoffs. 
So, you know, if things change, that's why, again, New England's run, Kansas City's current run, which, you know, Kansas City's been in the playoffs nine straight years and eight straight division titles, okay? Those are the anomalies around the league. Now, Buffalo's, Buffalo's on quite a run now. They've been in the playoffs five years in a row uh, since 2019, okay? Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, Buffalo also, also hasn't reached the Super Bowl, okay? Um, and they've only been to the one AFC championship game since then. So, um, and meanwhile, we can't get a repeat winner in the, in the NFC East. It's been almost 20 years. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just funny how these ebbs and flows and people who look at these, I've said it a hundred times, you look at these schedules down the stretch and you think you're going to put a team in the playoffs because they're playing someone easy. Uh, that's what Philadelphia was supposed to do. Wasn't Philadelphia supposed to write the ship against Arizona and the Giants? Supposed to. Supposed to. Yeah. Well, supposed you know, to. They, they barely beat the Giants after, uh, on Christmas. After you know they blew them out in the first half, and then they lost at home to Arizona, gave up four long touchdown drives in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so I'll be real intrigued. Here's what, I, which I also find fascinating about this this uh, playoff field is we have three franchises in here who have never been to a Super Bowl, um, and there's only been four franchises that haven't: the Jaguars, the Texans, the Browns, and the Lions. Yep. So um, Houston's hosting it. Houston, by the way, I, I asked this trivia question um, on Twitter th- this week. Uh, Houston has been to the playoffs now seven times. Houston has never been to the playoffs as a wild card team. They've won seven division titles. Crazy. That's crazy. Uh, well, think about that, it, John. Yeah. They've won seven division titles since 2011. Okay? That's one of the best rates. In the league, sure. meanwhile, though, when they don't win the division title, they've been—I think the professional term is putrid. Um, <laughs> but think about—you want to talk about a turnaround? And by the way, uh, one person who doesn't get because he—he he took his lumps early when Bill O'Brien was there. Nick Casario yeah. has a hand in what happened here as well uh, with Houston. Think about this: from 2020 to 2022. The Texans were 11, 38, and 1. And this year they've won 10 games. Yeah. Crazy. That's a yeah. And, and to me, that's that's why I wanted to bring it up here because, you know, uh, it's like, oh, it's going to be a building process. And, you know, here in New England, as you very well know, this is unprecedented. Nobody, we've, we haven't gone through this ever. So, uh, and, and for those that think it's going to be a process, no, it does not have to be a process. It can turn around quickly. That's the way this sport has been built. It has been built for parity, P-A-R-I-T-Y, even though sometimes it's been P-A-R-O-D-Y that we've, you know, uh, witnessed uh, as as a result. Um, and, and so, you know, that's why people are so fixated on getting this change, whatever change will be in New England, getting it right. Because, you know, the opportunity is there to get it right in a hurry and be back in a position of, say, where Buffalo and Miami are this year, at the very least, in the AFC East. Uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, Buffalo's run, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, winning division titles. Hey, yeah, absolutely. We talked about this over the last couple of years, you know, and, you know, they've still got to ultimately go on and win. They haven't been able to do that, but it seems like they've been given a little extra life here late in, in the season. You know, Baltimore certainly seems like a team to be, but that doesn't mean that they're going to. Uh, Houston's uh, surge 
late in the year to win the AFC South? I mean, let's face it. Uh, you touched on it as well. You know, Nick Casario has a huge hand in that, which is why I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, he was vehement about, uh, you know, kicking the tires on other opportunities potentially, including New England, uh, when he came out in the media a couple of days ago and seemed pretty angry that it was brought up, you know, within the uh, the local market in, in Houston. Kansas City, are they actually slipping a little bit? Or is this just a normal, you know, way of going about doing business when you hit a little lull and then you pick it back up again? And we all know the Patriots had their lulls during their 20-year run as well before it, you know, finally, you know, blew up on them. So a lot of good intrigue here, but the bottom line is, is that it doesn't have to take time. The system is set up as long as you can add to the fire and not detract from it. System set up to get better in a hurry. Right. And the system is also set up to be professional and to win. And for, um, for lack of a better word, the goofballs out there who continue to want their teams to lose games so they get higher draft choices. Okay? <laughs> Can you please just stop? Oh, no, I know. No team taught yeah. you a lesson like the it's... Houston Texans did last year. I, I think I'm, I, I need to remind people of this, and not everybody, because, um, you know, people who follow the league and follow, uh, for lack of a better word, integrity, knows it listen john i've worked with coaches and you know you know what i did with espn for a long time and um still stay in touch with many people i never heard one coach gm scout or player say it was okay to lose yeah. to get a higher yeah. draft yeah. okay i heard a lot of talk show hosts do it i heard yeah. some of our um you know shock jocks around the country talk that's about because it. those talk show hosts and shock jocks probably never put on a jock strap no, I, I, I'd say that's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. But I remember last year, the Houston Texans, if they lose at Indianapolis in week 18, they wrap up the first overall pick. And they went out. I think that, I have to look. I think they went for the win on a two point conversion late in the game. And they beat the Colts 32-31. Yeah. So instead of finishing with two wins, they finished 3-13-1. And, and Chicago was worse with 3-14. And, and you can go around and look. They were vilified for winning that last game. Vilified. What are you doing? You just blew it. Yep. Yeah, you blew it all the way to C.J. Stroud. <laughs> okay? And then the, here's where D'Amico Ryans and Nick Casario, I think, get some extra credit, okay, because it shows you. So what did they do in that draft where they did after Bryce Young went and Stroud? They said, well, listen, we got a cornerstone piece. Let's trade up with what we have and get the third overall pick. And they got Will Anderson Jr., the kid from Alabama, mm -hmm. who's played a vital role on their defense. So if you have the right pieces and you have the right mindset um and you're bringing you know you have a winning attitude that listen for years and years and years the browns were picking in the top five how did that work out it hasn't it, worked out very well no no not at all they, they were going through head coaches and general managers no stability uh, the thing that struck me the most about these texans during this offseason was you sensed that Veterans want to play for D'Amico Ryan's and the organization. 
Um, yep. I mean, he was a great selling point for them. He had success in San Francisco as a yep. defensive coordinator, obviously local hero, for lack of a better word, um, in Houston. Um, so, I mean, that, 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 there are, I mean, the Texans are a really feel-good story. There's no question about it. Now, they're also going to attempt to do something that they've never done. They have won some playoff games in their franchise history. Mm-hmm. Um, they've never gotten past the divisional round. Now, of course, they got to get past the Browns here. Okay, right. so that's obviously significant. And these teams did play earlier in the season um, in Houston. So it's a, it's a rematch game. There's a couple rematch games this week and so on. So um, it's an intriguing playoff field. Um, you know, Baltimore and San Francisco, uh, they're the number one seed. Um, Baltimore, the last time they were in this position, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, uh, but they laid a big egg against the Tennessee Titans four years ago at home. John Harbaugh alluded to it um, about a week ago. Uh, as for the 49ers, as good as they've been, and they've gone through their share of quarterbacks and the good defensive pe- personnel, they've, you know, they've, they've lost their share of NFC title games. Right. So no one in this field, and Kansas City is not as good as it was a year ago. It's, you know, what's funny is both the Eagles and the Chiefs, who were in the Super Bowl last year, have both lost twice as many games as they did a year ago. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, they were both 14 and three, and they're both 11 and six. Mm-hmm. So yeah. nobody's blowing me away coming into this tournament. Um, and even Buffalo, with its wins, that propensity for turnovers is something. And if the weather's tricky in Buffalo this week, who knows what, what could happen? Okay, so it's a wide open field. It could be a year that we saw three years ago when Tampa Bay was seven and five and then got in the playoffs and got hot and won three straight road games in the playoffs and then won the Super Bowl. Obviously, technically in their own building, but technically, you know, whatever. So that was the COVID year. I understand all that. So it's it's just a tricky field. Uh, We have a lot of teams that were in the playoffs a year ago back. But we also have some teams that are looking to end some miserable playoff drafts. The Lions in the NFL record for most consecutive postseason losses, they haven't won a playoff game in 32 years. Right. And here's one that's kind of interesting, uh, mainly because they haven't made the playoffs that much since. The Miami Dolphins haven't won a playoff game in 23 years. Wait, really? 23 years? 2000. Good Lord. I, I guess that had not dawned on me until you just pointed it out. Well, I'm going to give you some real sticker shock, John. All right. This year marks the 50th anniversary of the Dolphins' last Super Bowl win. That one I knew was coming up, right? That one I knew was coming up. 50. I don't think you get a cake for that, and I don't think you pop any champagne. <laughs> right, right. But think about wow. 50 years since the Dolphins won that second Super Bowl in their franchise with Don Shula. That's a, that's a long time. In fact, it's been almost 40 years, 1984, since they've been to a Super Bowl. That's amazing to me just to think yeah. about, you know, yeah, yeah, that process and that history. Yeah, that, that's, well, that's totally amazing. 
Yeah. We, so what do we think of John? Miami at Kansas City, they've played in the playoffs three times. The Dolphins have won all three. I think there's only ever been one time when they played in the playoffs in Kansas City. So are we looking double overtime for this game? Well, I'm thinking at least double overtime. And here's the other issue that, you know, it may or may not have dawned on, on, on listeners, but, you know, this is going to be the first NFL game that's going to be entirely streamed. Uh, where if you're not in Miami or you're not in Kansas City, the only way that you're going to watch this game is if you subscribe to Peacock, which is going to upset a lot of people to begin with because the NFL seems like it's got a ha- its hand in, in just about every pocket that you own. And, and I'm sure that's going to be a story within the story of this game. Oh, I've, I've, I've already seen the rumbling uh, with different papers and stuffing, stuff like that. Um. So is NBC stand for not buying cable? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know look, they, they, you, you're, you're paying you're, you're paying NBC for a lot of other things, you know that, that you probably don't even realize you're paying them for. But now you got to outright, you know, pay them. You know, you got to join for a month, which is going to cost you five ninety nine to join Peacock. But that's the only way you see this game, unless you're in Miami or in Kansas City uh, on I, Saturday night. I got to be honest, I didn't think we'd ever get to this stage. I, re- I didn't I'm, either. I didn't think as far as a playoff game. Okay? Right. I, I, mean, I get the other stuff. I get the regular season, and I get all of that. But a postseason game, and a postseason game of all teams that features the defending Super Bowl champion. Right. I'm just like, wow, that, that's amazing, number one. And there's a part of me, Russell, I'll be honest, there's an old school part of me that wants this to fail miserably just so we can get – you know, a game like this of this magnitude, a postseason game, somewhere at least on on cable, if not you know on regular television. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen, um, obviously, but uh, I, it just, I mean, what's next? The national championship for college, you know, on two B. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, I guess yeah. I I I, I, I was really. Mystify me, and listen. I know NBC did it a couple of weeks ago with the Bills Chargers game. That's a regular season game. It was an important regular season game, especially for the Bills and all that. Right. Um, but a postseason game, and I know they were hyping it pretty big during the tele- uh, the telecast the other night. Um, but a little disappointed they hyped it as much as they did. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, the first three games, anyway, of the weekend are all AFC games. You start off on Saturday with Browns-Texans, then the Dolphins-Chiefs Saturday night, uh, and then the Steelers-Bills are the first game on Sunday. And then you got the Packers at the Cowboys and the Rams at the Lions to wrap it up on Saturday, followed by Monday you got the Eagles uh, playing at the Bucks. So uh, kind of an unusual slate of games. Some teams in there, as you suggested earlier, that we weren't really sure were going to be there, but they either slipped a little bit or they came on strong a little bit. I already know who I, I would love to see in the Super Bowl. I've gone on record as saying I'm for a Lions-Brown Super Bowl because neither team has actually been there, much less won one. And so I think that would be a tremendous story for the NFL. But, you know, uh, any blowouts in there, potentially? Um, I, I think the possibility remains of Dallas um, because of the way they played at home this year, which I think yep. is now 16 in a row yep. at home. And I know the last one was um, uh, reportedly, that's a pun, um, <laughs> reportedly because of yep. the, the whole controversy with the Lions on the two-point conversion. Sure. Um, sure. It was like the closest. That was the closest of these sixteen. A lot of these have been 
lopsided. And, you know, Green Bay, as good as Jordan Love has emerged, their defense is very susceptible. Um, and we saw that, you know, we saw that in a couple games they lost down the stretch. Um, even what, you know, they, they, they played at home against the Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield absolutely tore them apart. Yeah. So I think that's a possibility. Um, you know, don't, don't you think, don't, don't you think about the, 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 the Packers and the Cowboys for a second, that if Mike McCarthy at home loses to his former team, that Dallas wouldn't also think about making a coaching change. Well, Amongst other things, because it, 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 obviously the wild card here is Jimmy uh, is Jerry Jones, um, sure, and that he's always alive. He's always a live wire when it comes to his spontaneity. I mean, you, remember most of Jerry's coaches lasted four years or less. Yeah. Uh, most of them. Um, yeah. Jason Garrett lasted for forever, um, which was really kind of odd. But I mean, Bill Parcells was there uh, for four years. Uh, Jimmy Johnson was five years. Most of it, Chan Gailey, you know, take your pick. A lot of four and outs uh, with Jerry as the owner, who I'm still mystified, who does more press conferences than any owner um, I've ever seen yeah. uh, in any sport. So, um, but I could, you know, I could definitely, I, I definitely see what you're what you're talking about there because um, they have not been successful in the playoffs. It's been a long time. Uh, since they even got into the NFC Championship game, 1995, when they won Super Bowl 30, so um, you know they they've won some playoff games over the years, over the last two decades, but they've not made a run. They've not made a significant run to get to a Super Bowl. And right. uh, once right. again, they're the highest scoring team in the league this year. They wound up edging out um, uh, Miami. Um, you know. Uh, you know, with their share of defensive scores as well, but Dak Prescott had a very bounce back year, and C.D. Lamb. I'll be stunned if he's not one of the the All Pro receivers, maybe along with Tyree Kill. So, uh, and defensively, uh, they can get after quick. Defensively, they also can be run one. So, right. um, the over under on uh, ice bowls uh, replays, I would say, is like four and a half because I'm sure we're going to see yeah. we're, we're going to see that as well, but. It's, if you think about it, what are the odds that Jared Goff was going to start against the Rams and Matthew Stafford was going to start against the Lions in the playoffs? Yeah. yeah, that one still, that one still, you know, uh, I have fun with it. Confuses the hell out of me. I'm like, okay, he's with what? Oh, yeah, that's right. He moved over a couple of years ago. All right, so we don't have, we don't have San Francisco. They got to buy. We don't have Baltimore. They got to buy. So we'll set them aside, even though buys are no guarantee to get to the Super Bowl. No. The teams that are playing this weekend in the wild card round, most likely, to get to the Super Bowl, in your estimation? Well, Kansas City's pedigree, I, I, I would say, of all of them, of the six, you know, the six games, um, you know, and, and listen, we saw, and I'm going to do a correlation with the Patriots, their last Super Bowl win, which was, not, you know, I don't think one of their best teams, uh, but they were able to run the ball and play really, really good defense, and, that, and Kansas City is more like. You know, Kansas City went from the highest scoring team in the league, okay, to 15th. All right, that's a, that's a hell of. In fact, think about this, John. They scored 496 points this year. Uh, real quick, Matt. They scored 125 fewer this year. Wow. Now, 125 fewer. Now, they also gave up the second fewest points in the league, next to the Ravens. Mm -hmm. which is not something you would expect. 
the Chiefs, but they're a different kind of team than they were in previous years. So, uh, but they've been sporadic even at home. Um, you know, they scored, they, they beat the Chargers last week and their offense didn't score a touchdown. They know Patrick Mahomes didn't play. Uh, but we saw them against the Raiders a couple of weeks ago in a home and they were stagnant. But they have a proven Super Bowl coach and a proven Super Bowl, two time Super Bowl MVP. And yep. they have obviously good players on the defense. And Spagnolo also has Super Bowl experience as a coordinator. So, you know, I'm, I'm a champions until dethroned person. Okay. So yeah. um, I, I would think they remain very, very dangerous. Uh, and by the way, they beat the Dolphins earlier this year in Frankfurt in Germany. Right. Um, so of those, of those teams, now the Rams are not that far removed from a Super Bowl win, but they're also far removed from the roster that won that Super Bowl. Okay, I mean they yeah. obviously have Cup and they have Stafford and they have Aaron Donald, but not a lot more because they really gutted the team last year. And credit to Sean McVay, they went from five and twelve to ten and seven uh, with with a lot of young kids. So you look at the teams that have playoff experience. I always look at that, especially when they're playing against the team that doesn't have playoff experience. We've got a couple of young quarterbacks like Stroud. Um, mm-hmm. And Mason Rudolph and Jordan Love, who have never started a playoff game. So, um, and and to be honest with you, home field advantage in the wild card round in the last few years hasn't been anything to get excited about. Exactly. I was just going to add that as well, Russell. Um, I, this is you know in year number infinity, I think for you and I. I and, and I, I kid because it seems like it's been forever. But to me, it just wouldn't be a football season unless we had an opportunity to visit and talk football and and exchange ideas and views and tell a few jokes and have a few yucks along the way. So I, I thank you for not only for your your friendship but your knowledge and the fact that you're willing to come on and visit with us here on Patriots.com. You know, for as long as you have since we launched this program back. In, in 2001, and your willingness to continue to further the sport of pro football is extraordinarily obvious. And so thank you for spending a little time with us, with us each and every week during the course of the season. Well, I very much appreciate that. Uh, I look forward to coming on here immensely all the time um, because it's my idea of what you do is my idea of what sports talk should be, John. Um, it should be a casual conversation with good information with credibility and some yucks. Okay. <laughs> Try. And the yucks and the yucks are important. And listen, there are impassioned conversations um, uh, that happen every once in a while and so on. Um, but you know, you're not preaching, you're not talking down to people, you're not mean spirited. Um, I'm sure people can figure out but uh, 50 or 60 people I'm talking about in our profession <laughs> who unfortunately feels as if like they're running for office um, because they think a quarterback change is imminent and they want a head coach fired. Um, right. So that, that to me, not with sports that we're, listen, we're lucky to do what we do. Yeah, we get the, we you know, somebody, well, I'll leave you with this. Somebody a couple of years ago made a comment to me on Facebook about how bad the press, the food was in the press box. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, yeah. you mean the free food? <laughs> yeah, that's right. The, the free food, yes. Yeah. Behind glass, no weather element, and you're complaining about a hot dog? 
Right. Yeah. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. We're not the ones getting dirty. We're not the one, you know, injured. We got we got the best seat in the house. Mm-hmm. I, I, I wish more people would appreciate it sometimes. That's all. That's, well, we'll work on that. We'll do the best that we can on our end, right? Yeah. Well, hey, I love what I do. I appreciate what you said about furthering the sport and so on. It's it's a game. I've been very fortunate for over the years to meet a lot of the guys and work with a lot of the guys that I admired playing. And, and I found out that they're just as good people as they are players. Yes, they are. 100%. And I do look forward to visiting with you a couple of times, at least during the offseason, where we can catch up over uh, news and notes and business around the NFL, if that's doable to you. And I'll have I'll have the Marine shout out at you. Well, um, that is certainly doable to, to me. And I will say this is going to be a year where there's going to be a lot of news and notes. <laughs> to say the least, especially yeah. in, uh, in New England, right? Yes. Yes. Well, anybody in the top 10 of the draft, and anybody who has made already made a coaching change or could make a coaching change or a GM change or a structure change and so on. Yeah. Uh, and that's also how you get better in this business sometimes. Uh, right. overnight. Yeah. That's why regardless yeah. of finishing last place, hope springs eternal. Right. Totally. Thank you, my friend. We will talk soon. Happy new year to you. Happy new year. Jenna. You got it. The one and only Russell Baxter at Bax B A X football guru, all one word. Uh, on X, and uh, you can get his to profootballguru.com is one of his websites. He does a lot of stuff for Bleacher Report and for um, uh, full press coverage uh, on the net. And, you know, he's got a couple of uh, Facebook pages as well that you can join and be a part of his communities. And, uh, you know, Russell is, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that knows more football than I've forgotten. So uh, he's a tremendous historian of the game, which is why we uh, try to bring him onto the program here each and every week during the course of the regular season. So our thanks to Russell, uh, our thanks to uh, um, all of our guests today, Dakota Randall and Nesson, Phil Perry from uh, NBC Sports Boston, of course, Patriot.com's only Evan, uh, uh, his, he's, he's Evan, he's, you know, he's the de facto offensive coordinator, you know, uh, but from Patriots.com, Evan Lazar, uh, for, uh, you know, being a part of the program, not only today, but the entire season. And I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out to the Marine himself, Matt Morrell, who, uh, you know, helped put not only today's, you know, process together, since I've got college hoop duties tonight in New York, but, um, you know, uh, helping to uh, line things up and put things together so that we have an entertaining program and a knowledgeable program for you here in the playbook every week during the course of the regular season. And th- that will be our goal from the, for the foreseeable future is to continue to try to do that. If you want to reach out, you got suggestions, you want to go a different direction, you'd like to see us try something out, hey, you know how to get a hold of us. You know, you can certainly send it to webradio at patriots.com and, you know, Marine will get it. I'll eventually get it as well. But going to hit me up on, uh, on X. Twitter, um, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it next, at JR Broadcaster. That's where you can find my handle. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you and, and, and love to talk to you. So that's going to wrap it up for this one. And as I said off the, the, the top of the show, um, just not sure yet when we will do our first off-season show in February. Uh, the last February Wednesday of the month is the 28th. But I'm traveling every Wednesday, it seems like, during the college basketball season with stuff on the road. So I've got to make sure that if uh, I'm traveling and I do one like this, you know, using uh, the remote cameras that we're doing, uh, that I've got the time to be able to do it away from the other job that I'm traveling for. Uh, I had that today, so it worked out. But we'll get that information to you, and uh, we'll pass it out through social media. So that's why it's always good for a follow on social media, because then you're, you're up to date on when 
when we're going to bring you the next news and information. But generally speaking, during the off-season, uh, our off-season shows are the final Wednesdays of a month, uh, February right through uh, August into training camp, and then we get started again on our weekly program uh, for the next NFL regular season. Uh, going to be some uh, interesting times straight ahead for these New England Patriots. I think we can all agree on that. Let's see how it plays out, and when it does, we'll be right here to talk about it. Thanks, everybody. Same Pat's time, same Pat's channel. Next time here on Patriots Playbook. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.